0: <laughs> Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak
1: It's April 25th, 2010 Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 1904.
2: This is no agenda
1: Being forced to take a train Instead of a plane And coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West In the People's Republic of Southern California In the morning I'm Adam Curry,
3: and from Northern Silicon Valley, where no news is good news, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's
4: crackpot and buzzkill in the
5: morning.
3: Good morning, my friend. No news is good news. No news is good news. Now yeah, we wanna, sorry. So- well, I was gonna say there's a couple of things we did last week. I wanted to uh, do a um well didn't we th- didn't
1: we promise each other we'd do something at the beginning of every show so that people will feel f- comfortable with the whole in the morning vibe and so that they don't just get blown into you yeah. know we, we i think to- this is I think this is very comforting. No, 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 no. We have to do, uh... I don't know what you... Oh, hit it. Goldman yeah. Sachs? Yeah, I don't necessarily believe that's true. He's all of a sudden... It's going to be fantastic. And all the evidence is gone.
0: When she opens her mouth, it's a gold mine party girl said it all this time. It's the low
1: hand moment.
0: Yes, it's time for another Lindsay Lohan Moment. And this is Troy Rudder bringing you all the news about Lindsay what Lohan think?
6: that you need to know.
0: Uh, Did you see those pictures
1: of Lindsay Lohan? Is as as <laughs> I put them in the show notes. That's how good they were. Wait a minute. We're missing information. His father Michael Lohan called the cops where they busted into Lindsay's apartment checking
0: on the welfare of Lindsay's sister, 16-year-old Allie. Apparently, Michael doesn't think that Lindsay is a good role model. <laughs> Do you think? This prompted a Twitter battle between her and her father, where she says, Thank God for my mommy.
5: It's the Lindsay
0: Lohan moment. Oh my guy. Excellent. <laughs> Who
1: did that? <laughs> well, that's Sir Jeff Smith doing a jingle, and that's Troy Rudder. He, he does the Lindsay Lohan moment. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't you yeah, love Yeah, well I'm
3: glad they're taking the cue from our show. Well of so, course. Uh, that's unbelievable. I mean this Lindsay Lohan is just a, she's just just an amazing. You know, I feel really and bad now she wait, 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 she got into a Twitter battle with her dad
1: on the you know, like a, yeah. why don't she just give him a call? Hey, but, hey, hold on a second. My daughter and I get into Twitter battles all the time. This is a very typical thing. You don't uh, your, your 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 daughter doesn't use Twitter, does she?
3: No, no she's in the generation that thinks it's stupid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. She's younger, right? She's 15? Yeah. Yeah. It's the it's yeah, I guess that generation thinks it's dumb. You're right.
3: They don't call each other on the phone either. They're just text messaging. constantly. But
1: you can buy these phones that have text messaging but don't actually make calls. That's, <laughs> have you seen that? It's like it's like no, a, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's like a BlackBerry ripoff, and it uh, it does internet text messaging, but you can't call. I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a great phone. I love it.
3: It's, so basically, that's essentially an extended pager. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I want to discuss a couple of a gaffe I made last week and also uh want to mention uh, you know kind of incorporate the nature of our show with the gaffe. Okay. Uh, last don't, w- yeah, week I know what the tonight, gaffe is yeah. When uh, when we uh, when I mentioned Joy Behar and the clip that I had, I said she was on MSNBC. When she's actually on HLN, and I was complaining about the fact that they had this huge crew of people and directors and people on the set, and she made this comment. I, th- that, I, I
1: think it's worth playing the clip again. Yeah, go ahead. It, it was so annoying, and you know, I played it for uh, Christina, who of course grew up in Holland, and for Mickey. And you thought I had an adverse reaction to it. They were like, what? That's tricky.
0: You've done this town a huge favor, Muhammad. Hold
1: on a second. Stop. There are some extremists
6: threatening that if we give Muhammad to the celebrities, they're going to bomb us.
7: Now, okay, the Muslim website says, we quote, we have to warn Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the creators, that what they are doing is stupid. And they will probably end up, listen to this, like Theo Van Gogh. For airing this show, Theo Van Gogh really—is this a warning or a threat? Theo Van Gogh is the uh, cartoonist oh, yeah. in um, Amsterdam, I believe, who was who was basically assassinated mm-hmm. for, for doing a cartoon against Muhammad. I mean, I would take it as a threat because of the fact that Theo is right.
1: Ha- there you go. And of course, no one says anything, and there's a whole control room and producers and directors and and Three idiotic guests. That. Yeah, yeah. No one says uh, excuse me because you know what—they're all idiots.
3: They apparently are all idiots, and this is on HLN, which is owned by CNN, which is actually it is even more indicting because uh, I think they have more people than MSNBC, and so when I said MSNBC was an error, and I want to mention to people out there that we do all our own research, and we do make mistakes on this show occasionally because we don't have people shouting in our ear, although apparently it wouldn't do us much good, <laughs> and... Uh, so, we don't have so, so, almost every show we, you know, make some mistake or we get caught off guard because the show is this is an, a show that we do not, it's essentially a c- competition between Adam and myself to who has some of the best material. And so we don't like, you know, even though that, last wait week's a minute, was, is that what
1: it is? Oh, I think so. <laughs> and
3: so it's like last week's show we had uh, a kind of a clip show down that actually worked so well. It, I, if I had listened to that show, I would have sworn that that whole thing was rehearsed. Yeah, which
1: is why I have almost no clips. I felt really bad. I'm like, people will never buy it now. We were too (laughs) slick. (laughs) Oh, this is your excuse for being lazy. (laughs) Lazy? I didn't do any clips today. I I didn't bring any clips. I'm so sorry.
3: (laughs) So anyway, but the fact of the matter is I wanted to uh, correct the error and uh, point out that... uh, you know, it's kind of pathetic what what you get for your money with these shows. Um, and just, I one, just, one,
1: just one thing about this um, this radical Muslim threat. Now, I've got in my research uh, headline: radical the quote radical Muslim group that threatened South Park creators was founded and run by Joseph Cohen, a former Israeli radical who used to live in a settlement in the West Bank. God. Yeah. Uh, I, I questioned it right off the bat and I said, What is this bull crap? I saw this radical- guy. They
3: interviewed him on some show and he did look a little more like a Jewish uh, uh, character than. He uh, wasn't an Arab, I can assure you.
1: And also, South Park, in 2001, South Park was running images of Muhammad. Yeah, I know. In, in the Super Best Friends episode. Right. I know nobody cared then. So so, so is not this isn't this just uh fear mongering, some someone trying to stir up anti Muslimism or something like that?
3: I think so. Now let me mention one more thing that I, I I was as I was taking notes. Did you notice that everybody who discussed this issue never except for us, and I suppose people online, where it's only because you can get good news now uh, from blogs, nobody if you recall, on CNN, on HLN, on MSNBC, mentioned that that was Pedo Bear.
1: <laughs> Did you notice this? Yeah, no, of course no one knows that. The only people who know that are sickos like us.
3: <laughs> Everybody I, knows Pedo Bear.
1: No, you think if you, uh, if you go to Joy Behar. I never heard of him. My son mentioned it to uh, me. It's just an yes. ongoing gag on the internet. Yeah, but Joy Behar doesn't know this. Well, what's she doing with a TV show? On CNN? Well, in the chat room there, they are correcting you yet again, John. You made another gaffe. CNN is not a news channel. It's entertainment. When will you get this straight? (laughs) Huh?
3: (laughs) And and then on this list, on this list of things, I also put, I don't know why. It's got nothing to do with the other two things, but... Remember, we got stickers. No stickers dot com. Get some stickers, print them out on your printer on some some Avery you know sticker material, and stick them around town, especially near toll booths where people have to slow down and they have to read the sticker.
1: So uh, let's talk about uh, today's executive producer and uh, possible associate executive. Do we have some? We have two executive producers and two
3: three associate producer we're getting the two three thing happening uh, every very so nice. often
1: very nice yeah. and
3: so the top of the list is uh the man who goes by the name of gear mm-hmm. who wired us uh 700 to become a knight he's now a knight so we have to do a knighthood for oh, him wow. later today
1: okay gear sir gear
3: sir sir gear and he of course is paul t's one of our uh primary artists
1: uh dad his old we, man right yeah, and so he had to keep up with the kid. He, sa- he, he uh, let me see. Oh, oh, he's not on the list because he 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 didn't pay pallet He sent it in through. Uh... Yeah, he sent it in through wire transfer. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh,
3: and then we have uh, Joseph Willis from Palm Bay, Florida. Um, and this is, and he sent us five hundred dollars. It's half of his tax return. Oh, I figured that's very instead nice. of wasting it, I would treat you guys as some hookers and blowouts. I a want <laughs> I also want to call up my, that's about, what, that's about what it costs nowadays. I want to call up, not that I would know, I want to call up my brother Ryan as a douchebag who has yet douche to donate, me, but he did turn me on to the show. He's sort of only a half douche.
1: Oh. Douche. <laughs> Good one. Yeah.
3: And then our associate executive producers, we've got three. We've got Ryan's Story in Unley, South Australia. Yeah, we've got lots of Australian news today. Important stuff. And uh, he, has a he long doesn't nose. want us to mention. He says, "Do not talk about the stuff below."
1: Okay, <laughs> but he says, "I'm a <laughs> I'm a long term douchebag, douchebag, first yeah. time donor. Don't talk yeah. about the stuff below." Okay,
8: yeah,
3: okay. We'll we'll just pay attention. First rule about uh, Andrew Brewer, uh, Winston Salem, North Carolina, two hundred one dollars uh, for the Deuce Club listener from episode one. No longer a douchebag. Is this? I guess this is a the theme today. Uh, no longer douchebag. Douchebag! <laughs> <laughs> and he's from uh, my favorite state of North Carolina in the morning. Yeah, and finally. I always uh, say
1: it, it's, it's the best state in the union. It is.
3: Yeah. It's just really a pretty place. Yeah. And it's, it's got a good balance of politics, too, which makes it even more interesting. And great barbecue. Uh, mm. David Koss. Euless, Texas, another good place, uh, $200. Now, the Deuce Club, which we start, we were a celebration of our tour of the show, which is coming up. You can donate directly to the Deuce Club by going to org slash the number two or the word Deuce. And that would be, we're going to send out a mailing discussing this. But in, if you want to jump in early, um that's how you can do it. And,
1: the, and this will be a uh a private third show? Is that what we're planning? Yeah, we're
3: gonna do a private third show just but it's gonna be, you know, a tribute to the show itself and to the deucers.
1: What you say <laughs> the deucers. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> what you're saying is we actually haven't figured out the promotion yet. Or have we? No, we were yeah. No. <laughs> we we have. had a meeting. <laughs> I want a meeting about the deuce. <laughs>
3: Uh, and we also, by the way, anyone with double nickels on the dime can do the same thing. Go to uh, dvorak.org/two or dvorakorg slash I've
1: got um, I've got a couple of uh, budding PR associates. Uh, first, there's a new site. Now you know with this program, I had a long talk with Dave Matthews about this uh, the other day, and he's like, he's really flabbergasted with with uh, I, I, Can we call this a business model, or is this just a model? well it's not much of a business no. <laughs> well that's kind of that's the flabbergasted part he was like that's not much of a business but it is interesting uh, we uh, we don't hold copyrights on anything you can copy the show you can redistribute it you can put it on your own stream burn see totally whatever yeah. whatever you want yeah open source is, is i guess one way to describe it but also uh, set up as many domains as you can uh, of course we always appreciate a donation if you make any money um through uh, AdSense or or any other way. And we have a new one, which is, I guess, a Dig clone, which is uh, noagendanews.info. I don't think we had one of those yet, a Dig-like site. So I think that's very cool.
3: Yeah, that could be fun. That'll help us, actually. That'll help the show. It's not a bad idea. Yeah,
1: I think it will, too. Um, By the way, the chat room apparently came up with the idea of calling people a deuce bag. Ooh! (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Je- sir jeff smith i hope you're listening we, we, we only jeff- need it for a while we only
3: yeah, i think what we're seven what show number is this this is
1: uh one nine or four
3: so we got we're what six shows away from the two so that we
1: got like six shows
3: it's or like three, three weeks three weeks
1: right before uh we have to uh that'll we, be the we end. could have one meeting every single week we're not having any meetings <laughs> Okay, Maynard uh, checks back in again Our friend from Down Under Never missing an opportunity to get a plug-in for your show whenever I can uh, I figured the Australian skeptics would love your show So here I am on this week's show, episode 79 of The Skeptic Zone
5: but at the same time, I'm a huge fan of uh, a show that simply describes it, it's. But it, it, they basically they go out and they hit people in the mouth metaphorically. That is uh, the No Agenda show with Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. Mm-hmm. And what they do in the morning is basically <laughs> postulate what ifs, and they've got some really crackpot ideas that I love listening to. For example, the Harper Ray is that part of an earthquake machine? Mm. Uh, All <laughs> evidence points to that not being the case. But I like enjoying entertaining the idea that there might be an earthquake machine, <laughs> I mean, and what political ramifications would there be? I love the guy.
3: I expect that not to be the case. I like that. It sounds more more British than Australian. I expect that
1: not to be the case. However, it entertains me. I do like it very much. The understated uh, style. And Todd McGreevy gave us two shout-outs on uh, his show on republicbroadcasting.org. At the uh, eight minute and fifteen second mark, and the fifty-five minute and thirty-five second mark, and uh, we highly appreciate it. So, uh, thanks again to our executive producers, Gear and Joseph Willis, and our associate executive producers, Ryan Story, Andrew Brewer, and David Koss. You can put it on your resume. We'll vouch for you, and it'll get you hookers and blow chicks, and maybe a job. Our formula is this: we go out, we hit people in the mouth. Get ready, everybody. Whoa. Whoa. Say it with me now. Order. You know what to say. Shut, Shut up, Sleep. All right. Cool. We eat for another two days. Yep. So, what do you? Uh, what's your? Uh, what's hot on your list? I would have to say trains, not planes, is really hot on the list. Huh? Uh, f- there's two things going on.
3: We we have been getting a lot of notes that claim that there's uh, that we've stumbled onto this. This 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 is the meme to get the train thing cranked right back up.
1: So, of course, we have uh, Ashma... So, there's two things that kind of flow into each other. Uh, Ashmageddon is uh, one, and now there's uh, anger. Anger in the European Union. Anger. We need to coordinate all a single European skies so we can shut it down longer and easier. This is... Uh, I mean, there's there's unified skies is what we need now in uh, in Europe. So now now they're really pulling the cloak around everything.
3: Um, so will it be mirages that go after the little private planes, or will it be Harriers? I mean, who's going to be the Air Force?
1: Well, the European
3: Army, of course. Um, yeah, they're going to do a European... I, I would say within the next five years, we're going to have a European Army.
1: Oh, yeah. The best came from uh, our national treasure, actually, uh, John. Now, remember... Um, never let a good crisis go to waste. So, of course, uh, when when the air travel is unavailable, and Richard Branson even coming out now saying this was total bullcrap, we lost seventy five million dollars, and now he's going to the to the government saying, "Pay me," <laughs> which is good like, for him. Yeah, but absolutely. Uh, our national treasurer ran an interesting story, and by the way, it's always fun to click on these from the website to find out who is sponsoring them this week. So let's have a listen as I fire up the NPR media player. And they always have a... Support
2: for NPR comes from Siemens, with over 60,000 employees Uh, in Uh, all 50 states states
1: committed to answering America's toughest questions (laughs) at Siemens.com slash answers. I just showed a a light bulb.
2: It's Morning Edition from NPR News. I'm Steve Inskeep. When Europe's planes stopped flying, trains took over. (laughs) Many stranded Europeans were able to get home by train. Thousands of British travelers made their way to the main station in Paris for the Eurostar train to London. Eleanor Beardsley sends this report.
9: British tourists Jane and Clive Tomlinson are making their way up from the subway station into Paris's Gare du Nord train terminal. It's nearly the last leg of what has been Who a long journey. Who is this woman?
0: I,
1: I can't tell if she's if she's Jane southern. And Jane Tomlinson <laughs> and I can't tell if she's southern or if she's French. She sounds like a well.
3: I won't say. Yeah.
9: Home from their vacation in Rome. Rome, Rome.
1: All right. Well, so we don't have to play the whole report. So, uh, they're, yeah, we s- know what they're up to. Uh, Siemens th- sp-
3: sponsors the show. So, boom, we're to- talking about, you know, and, how and, and great you, trains are. And you should are. see hey, this? By the way, his, uh, it's really interesting. And, and I think it's fantastic to finally find out that
1: they have trains in Europe. <laughs> yeah. That like, we, is good. To do. In France, high speed rail dove, dove, air links. What is What kind of language is that? In Infl- yep meant Dover. It says, in France, high-speed rail dove air links between most major cities out of business. Oh, drove. They misspelled it. Oh, this is interesting. (laughs) So this is the subtitle on their player. In France, high-speed rail drove air links between most major cities out of business long ago. What? What? Yeah, that's literally what it says. That's bogus. Yeah. Rail service benefits from flight cancellations. This is our national
3: trade. Wait, 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 wait. If it drove them out of business, then what was
1: the problem? Uh, I don't know. I don't <laughs> this, know. Is, this is like a disconnect in logic. I'm just saying. It says it right here. And they've misspelled drove. They, it's dove. <laughs> dove. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if we refresh. Will we get a new commercial? Oh, I'm sorry. Underwriting. Ooh, the, Oops. Did I mess that up? I didn't mean to say support
2: commercial. for NPR comes from Starbucks Yay! featuring eight different bold coffees for
1: the next eight weeks. <laughs> Learn more at slash bold or a local Starbucks. Hey, cool, <laughs> but there's call it whatever you want, yeah, bastards. Okay,
3: so instead of giving your money to them, give them give your money to us anyway. Go on, okay,
1: so um, also, this is actually quite interesting although it doesn't have anything to do with trains per se, but just as a side note, uh, only two days ago, Iceland finally closed its airport. These guys, their airport was just open. They're next yeah, to the but damn Yeah,
3: but the airport is nowhere <laughs> near that volcano, and then the wind was going the other way, so they didn't care. Okay, well, so now it's closed. Yeah, the wind shifted.
1: Yeah. Um, but then I found a couple of interesting links, and only on uh, aviation websites. So if... You know we're, we know we've tracked this from the from the beginning of the eight billion dollars being invested in Florida, I think another six billion in California for high speed rail. Joe Biden, who of <laughs> course is Mr. Amtrak, keeps talking about it about hey, hey, we need to do a pool okay in other words this is
3: it, when it, whatever they do for the California rail, uh we take the number and then we guess what is really going to be. Because there's not going to be $6 billion, I can assure you. No, if it's going to be six, a lot
1: more than that.
8: It's
3: going to be like $600 billion yeah, by the time they're done. they're money. boneheads. A, this state is corrupt.
1: Well, Florida, apparently not much better. But anyway, this is, this is just like um, when, the, when we built the original railroads. It's like, you know, this is going to be the new economy. I'm not necessarily against it, but I like air travel. I think it's efficient. I think it's fast. I think it's cheap. Uh The problem, of course, is they're making it incredibly difficult and, and dissatisfying to fly as you go through the humiliation tunnel known as the TSA checkpoint. But now a couple of other inter- interesting things are cropping up, besides the fact that you can't fly when there's no volcano. And even as Richard Branson says, we fly over volcanoes all the time, every single day. But oh no, oh no, it's way too dangerous and we had to shut them down because the comput- computer model said so. Two things happened that got no media attention. Uh, of course, I saw them because I'm, I'm an aviator. There's this um, new uh, landing system called WAAS, W-A-A-S, Wide Area Augmentation System, which is intended to replace a lot of the, uh, replace or enhance or actually for airports who don't have an instrument landing system, which is a very expensive system to, uh, to put in place and to maintain. I mean, millions of dollars. This Waze is supposed to be broadcast through, uh, the GPS system. There's uh, a number of ground stations and it basically synchronizes the accuracy of GPS so that you can use it to land um uh in uh, uh in uh, bad weather conditions or if you just want to get a basically an automatic landing or a glide slope and uh, this thing has been uh highly anticipated airports all over the country have been you know setting up their uh their facilities and uh, what happens all of a sudden uh they lost control of the satellite what yes on april 3rd IntelSat, the company that provides the satellite service to the FAAs, two satellites who will uh, be uh, managing this Waze system, lost control. Uh, The satellite will now drift out of orbit over the next two to four weeks, according to the FAA. And so, of course, uh, immediately Alaska can't use Waze, and uh, until they shoot another satellite up into space, the whole thing is dead. It ain't going to work. And this was one of the huge promises of the new FAA. And then I get another report, this one probably more disturbing. The new computers critical to modernizing the U.S. air traffic control system have run into serious problems and may not be fully operational by the end of this year when the current system is supposed to be replaced. This is a multi-billion dollar computer system. And uh, they apparently can't get it to work. It's the next gen program that they've also been hyping and trumping. So I think that uh, they're just purposely making it all go away, make it impossible. No innovation. Uh, sorry, we can't. The computer's got a bug. We can't get make it work. Well, take the train. Interesting. You
3: know, maybe they're trying to get us. So I mean, you you can control a population a lot better if if. It's all done on trains because you don't have to worry about people flying out of the country.
1: Yeah, and it's much it's much easier to matter. to stop in between stations, and then the uh, the the Gestapo gets on and asks you for your Ausweis. your papers, your papers, <laughs> your papers, please, Paper. so papers, was, papers, papers. So, so that was the. Uh, that was the main story and I'm just tracking that and I, I think that uh that they're really trying to put uh, commercial aviation out of business and uh, and make it unattractive. And and the meme has already said it's in everybody's well, head. Well, hold it's- on a
3: second. There was something and it was a year or two ago and I remember reading about this. There was some spokesman for General Aviation complaining about how they're trying to push general aviation out of business for for you know, for starters. Mhm. To get people out of these private planes, so they don't have, you know, because it's hard to control a pop- population that has private planes. Yeah.
1: Well, they they were doing that until they discovered that it would also affect them and their private jets, and they're like, "Oh crap!" Well, let's have none of that. That's that. That's why it, it, that'll never really happen, unless they split up um, small, you know, like cat, you know, smaller category aircraft, like single engine pistons. Uh, and they split those off from, uh, business jets. But I don't see that happening very quickly. You know, cause, you know, these business jets, they rely on that infrastructure of smaller airports. So they want to keep those open and available to them without too much hassle. So I think that's going to be okay. Uh, but it's very, very clear that, that, uh, aviation is being made incredibly unattractive. Hey, there's terrorists on them things. They could blow up. They could fall out of the sky. I mean, it's like, you know, and everyone said, hey, I'd much rather have a train crash than an airplane crash. you ever
3: seen a train crash? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, let's say you're in a high-speed train doing 300 miles an hour, let's say, or 250 in the American high-speed train. We can't seem to really get the speed up there. <laughs> and, uh, and the thing slams into something, and you're standing in the aisle. Now, the train has stopped, and you're doing, personally, 250 miles an hour, like as if you were on a skateboard doing 250 uh-huh, miles uh-huh. an hour. And you're going to start
1: flying towards something, and I don't think it's going to be an open space. Uh, you're going to become an, a, a no agenda pancake. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and and if, if you're doing 250 miles an hour, and you are in the aisle, and you jump up, and you jump up, <laughs> will the tr- will you actually move? Will the will the train move underneath you?
3: You know, I think it would by some nanometer. Perhaps, because I think it, while you're up in the air, there will be a change in uh, momentum, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I think physicists would say, no, it's, what I'm describing is bogus. But I also believe that there is a, uh, for example, the old thing about gravity, if you drop a feather and a bowling ball uh, in a vacuum, it will, they'll both fall at the exact same speed. Right. How does that jive with the fact that every item and, and object itself has a gravity? So the bowling ball would have more gravity because it's bigger than the feather, and so it should arrive within some really minuscule amount of time quicker to the bottom. It seems to me it would be un- immeasurable, but oh, it, shoot, it man, seems I, theoretically I, I, possible. I don't know. I don't know
1: either. Here's one other thing, and then I'll, I'll let you grab it, because this is something that we uh, we laid into quite uh, heavily about what Dick Morris told um, Hannity about Janet Reno and President Clinton. Uh, and I'll, uh, I'll just read you the quote. Uh, in a meeting right before the inauguration, Clinton uh, was told by Janet Reno, according to Dick Morris, if you don't appoint me, I'm going to tell the truth about Waco, And that forced Clinton's hand in reappointing her. I know that he told me, Clinton told me, that I could not reappoint Reno because she would have turned on me over Waco. And then uh, our friend goes on uh, Fox and Friends and he tells a different story, John. Who, uh, Morris? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Morris is
6: full of crap. Bill Clinton has been implying that movements like the Tea Party are responsible for motivating violence, like what happened down in Oklahoma City 15 years ago with the bombing there. But Dick Morris said that Bill Clinton had his own hand in that and revealed that the other night on Hannity.
9: All right, so um, well, do you mind? We'll just listen to the clip again. Timothy ...McVeigh's motivation. Uh, God knows what's going on in that crazy head of his, but there is some speculation that and he himself had said that it was the reaction to the Waco takeover. And uh, Bill Clinton orchestrated that takeover and, in fact, was so ashamed about what he did in Waco that he was not going to appoint Janet Reno to a second four-year term. And she told him in a meeting right before the inauguration day for his new term that if you don't appoint me, I'm going to tell the truth about Waco. And that forced Clinton's hand in reappointing
1: her. Okay.
7: Wow, that's a bombshell. Uh, So did Janet Reno, (laughs)
1: was she forced By the way, I love her sitting there. Wow, that's a bombshell! As I'm looking into her snatch, literally.
7: She get forced Bill Clinton into a reappointment to the Attorney General post. Let's ask Fox News contributor again, Dick Morris. All right, Dick, you, you released a bombshell by saying that actually well, President Clinton made she this difficult decision. Vocabulary.
1: No bombshell, bombshell, bombshell. But I'm, you can't help. She's got her legs crossed. But she's just like, I'm, it, "Who, Dick Morris? I don't care. I'm looking at her." Yeah, well,
3: that's what they do on
1: Fox. And and so using the word bombshell is like, yeah, I'm looking <laughs> yeah, at you. <laughs> now you mentioned it. I'm looking hey, at bomb you. Shell, bombshell. Hello. Hello, bombshell. Janet Reno? Well,
9: let me... Uh, yes, I, I believe he did. I. Uh, uh, but I, uh, let me... Uh, why he, let why me did he dist- go weasel
1: all of a sudden? Because they said, uh, uh, dude, I got a little present here for you. You better take that back, dicky boy.
9: Wish the facts from my... Conjecture based on the facts.
1: Oh, the facts! <laughs> the facts based upon the conjecture of my facts that I no, didn't it's have the facts. Well, you know, it does
3: explain why Janet Reno got Reno got reappointed in the first place. Uh-huh. And so I believe his original story. He probably just threw it off because he thought it was you know something to, a tale to tell. And then you're right. Somebody called him and said, "Look, buddy, yeah. you better pull that I, that thing or you're going to be in trouble."
1: Let's just listen to th- one more second here.
9: That the uh, Timothy McVeigh attack took place on the anniversary of Waco. Right. And... Um When President Clinton was contemplating his second-term cabinet, he appointed the whole cabinet but left Attorney General vacant. And he and I were in extensive discussions about who he might appoint to become the new Attorney General. In fact, we had focused on the idea that Bill Weld, the governor of Massachusetts, might do that. And uh, Hillary and Bill had asked me to check Bill out. Bill Weld out, he's a client of mine. And uh, we had extensive discussions.
1: All right, whatever. He's full of crap. But, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, and, you know, I think Dick Morris actually meant well on Hannity by saying, uh, pay attention, everybody. You know, there's bad stuff that could happen here. And yeah. Clinton's out doing interviews. Uh, I think I have it somewhere. Saying, uh, well, you know, this president could get killed. He could get, get assassinated. You know, and it'll, it'll be one of these radicals. One of these crazy people. One of these yeah, crazy Yeah, you know, tea I think badgers.
3: that Obama... Is aware of this kind of threat from people like it was not directly a threat from Clinton, although I think it is, uh, and that's why I think he's on the road constantly. He's never in Washington.
1: Well, which one are you talking about, Obama one
3: or Obama two? I think it was Obama one. I think that's the the, the one, the main one. I think Obama two could maybe float around a little
1: you, more. You want to hear this? Uh, what Clinton? Is I can saying?
3: be otherwise. I move mean, what the one that's got the most gray hair.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> listen, listen to what. um what clinton is saying i think this is uh, bullshit fucking uh, pre roll this is uh, cnn and by the way he looks a lot better than that you know they do clean him up when he has to do these uh, in studio interviews oh yeah they, uh, makeup they, makeup department oh, the total, cnn has a, a oh big, yeah
3: huge.
1: yeah they got that uh, spray uh, spray paint makeup these days so um now, but listen to the seriousness of of what he's saying and he's really he's 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 laying it on pretty heavy and I think it's a setup for some kind of uh you know
0: the situation <laughs> with Wolf Blitzer yeah, Wolf Blitzer 5 you rock
1: the
2: other difference yes the internet has exploded over these 15 years uh
1: there's a democratic president now. You were a democratic. Uh, by the way, pay attention to the meme because we'll be talking about this a lot.
8: Democratic president. Then, but the, the other big difference is there's an African American president. Yes, and an African American president whose father was from Kenya, who has been, you know, whose mother's second husband was a Muslim. And so
1: he's. Let's remind everyone. Been. Yeah, just so you, know, hey, he's a black guy and is a Muslim. Thanks, Bill. Attacks from the birthers and <laughs> others. just a reminder. Uh,
3: Whose side are you on, Bill? Oh, he's... <laughs>
8: I'll give you one guess. I, I do think, and he's had a lot of threats, and also the members of Congress have had a lot of threats against them. Uh... We had a lot of threats. I remember when that guy came from Colorado and opened fire on the White House with an assault weapon and sprayed the press room. You remember that? Some of the bullets I got remember, in the press room. On the north lawn of the White House. And he would go-
1: Yeah, that was really. I remember that the north lawn of the White House. Yes, uh, I remember uh, Bill. Yeah, Wolf. Do you remember? Yeah, man, that was really devastating. You know, it's like uh, wow.
8: They were so angry at me, and uh, they were madder at me. I was sort of an apostate, and he's an outsider. A prostate? What was he?
3: He's an apostate. What's that? That's a non-believer or someone who was once a Muslim and then he gave up the faith.
8: Oh. That is, the white <laughs> Southern Protestants, of which I am one, were the heart and soul of the then right-wing movement in America, of the right-wing of the conservative party. And also were a lot of the people who were most... There is no fascinated.
3: conservative party.
1: Yeah, but let Bill talk. He's got a yellow tie on. Pay attention.
8: So they figured, you know, what was the matter of me? I was a traitor to my class, sort of. Ooh,
1: his class, the elite class,
8: perhaps? President Obama is different and symbolizes the increasing diversity of America. And, and both of them, uh, oh. and for him... What? The increasing what? Diversity. Oh. For him, it's like a symbol of, he symbolizes the loss of control, of predictability, of certainty, of clarity, that a lot of people need for their psychic well-being. And so I worry about it. I, look, he's well protected by the Secret Service. They're terrific. And a president, I can tell you, I've never met a president. And look, George W. Bush had some threats against him, but people who strongly disagree with his policy. Uh, some uh, Eric Canner got a threat here.
1: Who's Eric Canner?
3: I should know that. He's like S- assistant, assistant Secretary of State or something. something
8: mm. he's got why, some, does he,
1: why does he bring him up? That's I don't know. That's kind of weird. Is he, he in, in Georgia, you know, maybe? Is it a guy in Georgia? Eric Cantor. Well, why don't you play it and I'll look it up. Okay.
8: Uh, the governor of New Jersey has been at least jokingly threatened by some of the interest groups in New Jersey, the Republican governor of New Jersey. But by and large, in the last 50 years, Ooh, by and large, or well, at least since the early 70s. When we still had some left wing problems, by and large, these have been systematically coming out of the far right and
1: okay, here at comes stand by
8: again, I think that all those folks have a place in our political debate. We just have to know where to draw the line and I and we have enough threats against the president, enough threats against the Congress that we should be sensitive to it the 15th anniversary of oklahoma city i'm not trying to draw a total parallel i'm just saying we should be aware uh,
1: by the way you are making a total parallel F- hold on a second don't do that
8: of this this is a vast echo chamber this okay is-
1: oh i played over it listen listen to what he says here john
8: Oklahoma City, I'm not trying to draw total parallels, I'm just saying we should be aware of this. This is a vast echo chamber, this internet.
1: Oh! Oh, the internet. The internet. It's a vast it's echo always chamber. The internet. It's a vast echo chamber. So, so Eric
8: is Cant- Eric Cantor
3: is, a, is the uh, uh, Republican well, whip in the Congress from Virginia. Huh. I knew I heard of him. What, what, why is he brought up in the conversation? He's not even, he's not, uh, okay, if I, whatever. If
1: I were him, I'd, uh, I'd be on the lookout. <laughs> That's like, that could be a little message from Bill to Eric. All right, let's just finish this up, 20 seconds. I'm just saying be. we
8: should be aware of this. This is a vast echo chamber, this internet. And there's lots of folks listening. And as I said, some are serious, some are delirious, some are connected, some are unhinged. And wow! We, he's, doing the, he's
1: doing uh, prose. Some are serious, some are delirious. He's doing a rap. Some be yeah, serious, rap. some be delirious. Some are unhinged. Damn, we've got to make that into a rap. All
8: right. you know, as I said, some are serious, some are delirious. Some are connected, some are unhinged. And we all of us who have any responsibility <laughs> On there. have to exercise that responsibility so that we're intellectually honest about our political positions. But we're also intellectually honest about what certain words might do to people who are less stable. Ugh.
1: What he keeps on going with his certain words about people who are less stable. This is this is not well. Good.
3: There's a couple elements at work here. One for and this Eric Cantor thing now has me completely buffaloed. But the uh, he <coughs> this is this is a kind of a sub rosa attack on the tea party of course because that yes. seems to be like the major concern of everybody uh especially uh um uh, you know the, the democrats and i mean if you watched last week's bill maher all he talked about was tea baggers tea baggers oh. tea baggers and of course nobody says to him, what's a tea what you got something against the gays i mean what you yeah. know the tea bagger, tea bagger so he won't even acknowledge the proper name uh instead of using an basically an epithet and uh and then he's, like, freaked about it. And, of course, I believe, of, if anyone's listened to the show more than once or twice, I believe that the things have already been infiltrated with agents provocateurs oh, yeah. who will hold up the crazy signs or yell out weird stuff. Or but this, act but like. this is
1: what I'm saying. This is where it gets kind of creepy because Clinton is basically saying, uh, and here, here's the way I take this. If you go into total crackpot mode, which is, let's face it, that's what I do. Um, he's saying these crazies are gonna go out and kill somebody, and Eric from Virginia, you're next. <laughs> Seriously, didn't you catch it that way? Yeah, yeah, and he's Jewish, so I guess oh, oh, like, hey, you know, okay, oh, perfect. It perfect. would make
3: sense that uh, some air maniac or. a or uh, I don't know what they, I can't see him getting a Tea Party person to do it, but yeah, can't no, of course be,
1: it'll be it'll, it'll be CIA or someone, you know. Well, just, I mean that's who it will really be. Yeah, of course. But we're just saying who are they going to blame it on? On the pedo bear, <laughs> the pedo bear, <laughs> the pedo bear will have done it. Damn it! I'm telling you.
3: <laughs> well, while we're
1: on that topic,
3: let's uh-huh. see what I have here for clips. Um, I have a clip that kind of applies to this a little bit he uh, is a she no no <laughs> well actually he is a she is a funny story but we'll save that for later okay uh social security marriage and home ownership slam oh um uh, well there's actually this story is kind of interesting because the thing that's there's also breaking news in, in this kind of in the same high end is this arizona issue
1: oh uh with the uh ausweis beta show me your papers please Yeah, why
3: don't you play my Arizona clip, and then we'll... um, We'll jam on it.
9: Okay. Whatever.
7: And this is is a nation of immigrants, so it's going to be difficult for a lot of folks, I think, who have been here, who were born here and raised here... To have to suddenly start thinking about documentation, right? Well, remember,
2: this is only in Arizona, right. but there's well, no, du- yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt about it that that this whole thing is is going to set a new paradigm, at least uh, there, and at least until this thing gets settled down the road.
7: Okay, so, you know, critics say that illegal immigrants come to this country and they take jobs that would should be going to Americans, and, and I think that that's a, a valid argument okay, in many cases, right but...
3: So this goes on and on, and, they, and, and it's, what's weird about it to me is that, and I think this is happening everywhere, is they're not really discussing the issue or why Arizona did this in the first place. Arizona has a crime wave. It's got nothing to do with jobs being taken away from Americans. It has to do with the fact that there's a crime wave that is unbelievable in Arizona, and then the most recent thing where some poor rancher was murdered in his house by some some drug dealers coming across the border. So this report goes on, which is on a local news station. This report goes on for a good 10 minutes with this analyst and the newsreader. And they never once bring this topic up. As well, I don't know jobs for Americans. Jobs for Americans are taking our jobs. They they change the, the the focus of the conversation, so we're not really addressing the issue, or or the real reasons that Arizona got to this point because they weren't weren't going to do this when it was just a jobs thing. And I find it very distressing that the that the real kind of the real points. Are just completely being ignored. I mean, they're just being glossed over. Well, it seems
1: more like it's being hijacked as an excuse for the government not being able to create the jobs promised uh, promised by the administration. Saying, you know, well, it's the it's them damn for the Mexicans, Damn foreigners taking your jobs. Yeah, we gotta uh, let's get them. Get the papers. I
3: don't know. I just find it. Uh... Something's, something's screwy.
1: I find it kind of fun that in the ID3 tag for this Arizona clip, the genre is blues. It's what? <laughs> blues. <laughs>
3: oh, every genre is blues. Because <laughs> it's the one that shows up at the top and I'm not going to put ID3 tags that are, that, you know, I'm not going to sit there dicking around looking for the right tag. I know.
1: I, I forgot to play two important clips for you regarding trains. I'm so sorry. From uh, Gitmo Nation East. Uh, I I just, just want to Lay 'em on you real quick. You know they're doing the uh, the American style uh, election debates. Yeah, in England. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's crazy. And I and I have the video now. Uh, Alex, uh, one of our producers, has been so nice to uh, send me MP4 versions because it's really hard to get a copy of it because uh, it's way too long to fit onto YouTube, etc. So uh, here's uh, Gordon Brown first. Gordon Brown, what should we do about the economy? What are we going to do, everybody?
2: I don't think I've uh, been on any more than one plane during this election campaign. I've been going around by train. And I think actually our high speed rail network will allow people to get off uh, the roads uh, and also to get off domestic air flights. And I think that's incredibly important.
1: Yes, very important. How about you, David Cameron? What do you think about it?
0: But I would say in the last um, six months, the, the biggest change, or the last year, the biggest change that I've been able to make is actually coming out very strongly against the third runway at Heathrow. I think it is wrong to do that. I think we should be going for high speed rail instead. Hey! We should be having a high speed rail hub at Heathrow and trying to make sure that all those flights that people take where you could take a train it's possible to do that i think it will be a really big step forward
3: Yes. all right now now at this point i have to say this reeks of a public relations campaign
0: yeah you think
3: but I want to find out, you know, it won't take much work, by the way. I would look into Siemens, at, for, for uh, starters, <laughs> to Siemens. find out what agency it is. But it's got to be one of the monsters. It's got to be Hill and Knowlton or they're one of these huge international agencies that can really change public policy. You have to pay them a lot of money, but they can do it.
1: Hey, doesn't Siemens make uh, trains? Yeah. Siemens Transportation. Are these are yeah, the guys they, that sponsored the NPR report. I thought that's why you played it. I didn't. They showed me a light bulb. I was confused. Apparently. UK. Here it is. These guys make trains. They're sponsoring our national treasure to do a report about uh, trains. Yeah. Oh Hello. Oh Jesus. Oh, my God. Sorry, I didn't mean to take the, the Lord's name in vain. All right go. All right, let's try let's get off topic off, yeah. off the trains cuz it's driving me yeah. crazy. We have to let's dig into that. Let's find out who's yeah, who's managing who's the, the campaign. campaign. Yeah, who's managing.
3: That we find out who's behind it and we can deconstruct it in such a way that you'll be d- totally disgusted when we're done. <laughs> yes, I will be retching. <laughs> so Jason Matiras, who is the guy who wrote uh, he wrote a book called Obama Zombies. Hmm and he's the guy... We played a clip about him recently. He's the guy who ambushed uh, Franken.
1: Oh, that's the guy who... Oh, okay. We we called him kind of a minor... Douchebag!
3: We called him a douchebag, but I have to say, here he is on C-SPAN slamming McCain... Uh, I mean, he's basically slamming the, the Obama uh, zombies, but at the same time, he, he brings up some interesting points about how incompetent the GOP is when it comes to uh, getting the youth vote. And I just found this a very, very interesting uh, exposition of, of what's to come and how, and one of the reasons I believe that Obama will, will have no problem getting reelected
7: but yet they still provide his biggest base of support. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate, but why I wrote Obama Zombies is to really show a behind-the-scenes look at how Team Obama went out reaching to young people, because I think there's a lot of good things they did, and also to point out how the GOP has had an awful youth outreach program for many years. You're critical of John McCain in this book. Uh, what didn't you like about his campaign? Oh, I mean, f- uh, wh- where do I start? I mean, uh, number one, he wasn't a conservative. Um, he banked his, his whole presidency on reaching across the aisle and playing nicey-nice with the left? We can't have that anymore. But more importantly, when it came to younger voters, he didn't have bases on college campuses. Barack Obama had more than 1,000 students for Obama chapters. He was always giving campaign rallies on college campuses. He always had young people behind him. His internet outreach was absolutely amazing. John McCain's internet outreach, Bill, I mean, there's no joke now. His internet outreach was a game called Pork Invaders, where you had to dodge incoming projectiles from pigs. You'd dodge Dodged them successfully and then earmarks would appear on the screen to let you know how the number of Obama uh, voted for. And the graphics weren't even that good. It looked like Pac-Man circa 1980. That was John McCain's internet outreach to young people. Pork invaders. Barack Obama, Obama hires the co-creator of Facebook to run his camp to run his new media operation. He hires Emmy uh, award-winning producers from CNN to upload videos to YouTube. It was a, a complete domination, a digital domination. I think there's a lot the GOP can learn from how Team Team Obama reached out to young people.
4: Jason Matera with us until about 9:55
2: Eastern. That's Republicans,
1: your numbers yeah. two. Right.
7: Yeah. OK. I'm, I'm
2: I just thought
1: that.
3: I would just, just a little reminder to people out there that uh, there's a, like a level of incompetence on the uh, Republican side that, uh,
1: uh, that that echo chamber, man. You got to watch out for that Internet echo chamber.
3: Yeah, that echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, uh, Clinton and, and some of the Democrats are attacking. You know, the thing they're concerned about is that there's so, there's a lot of right wing blogs. They'd love to get rid of those, but the fact of the matter is, the internet's benefited the Democrats much more so than it has the Republicans.
1: Well, but but they want the clean internet, John. Yeah, the clean internet. You've
3: heard about this, right? I've heard the word, but I don't know the ba- the basis.
1: Yeah, the clean internet is. Um, there's this minister of European Parliament. Her name is. Hold on a second. Uh, European Commissioner Cecilia Malmström, And uh, she has a plan to introduce a website blocking system Europe-wide. Europe-wide, mind you. Um, And so people are up in arms about this. And there's actually a pretty funny YouTube video. Uh, about the clean internet which uh, I'll put in the show notes you could also see it at noagenda com. it doesn't quite work just listening to the uh, to the audio but of course it's all like well we have to get rid of uh, child pornography and uh, and people who oppose me <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> so it's being called the clean internet and we will all love it we'll love the clean internet there's not an echo chamber anymore
3: it's funny yeah so um do we have time for some real news before we get to our thank yous?
1: Wow, is it going that fast already? Yeah, of course. And now back to real news. So oh, I got yeah. the biggest
3: kick out of this story that was on uh, nightline. Apparently what is the Sierra you know, Charles Taylor, the former head of uh Liberia, I think, yeah. Uh he was uh involved with the Blood Diamonds and and arms trade with Sierra Leone during a coup d'etat or something some war going on down there that where there's just a lot of people getting killed mm-hmm. and supposedly during in the, in the late 90, 97 or so uh, he uh, had he apparently went to uh, Sierra Leone and they gave him a whole bunch of diamonds including some huge rock that you know uncut but just a monster and he was on a on the blue train with um, Mandela there's that and a train again cele- Sorry. Yeah, is that train. train again? That's true. They showed the and they showed the train. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he was on the train with. It's funny. That's probably part of the meme. I didn't even think about it. Uh, but anyway, they showed uh, him. He was with Mandela and a bunch of celebrities, including uh, Mia Farrow and wow. uh, that black uh, Naomi Campbell. That black uh,
1: <laughs> the the woman who throws her cell phone at everyone's head.
3: Yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently Taylor met her, and of course back in '97 she was gorgeous. And I guess he had a crush on her, so he gave her this huge stone. <laughs> <laughs> and why not? As one does. Yeah, play the clip, uh, and we'll, it's, it gets pretty explanatory.
0: If I were not here... Yeah. And behind it all say prosecutors yeah, okay, was okay, this God man, Charles system. Taylor. Once the president of Liberia, accused of using the blood diamonds to ferment the violence.
1: The diamonds made possible the continuation of the conflict, but they also—wait uh, a minute, Liberia—and this guy's like American? No. What? Is, what is he? he? Sounds American. No, he—he
3: he, when he talks, you'll see, he sounds. Definitely like profited, Charles Taylor. That's not him. Oh. Okay.
0: Now on trial in the Hague for crimes against humanity. So most definitely, oh, okay. I'm not guilty. Taylor has angrily I denied think. any. What? Nothing, go. I'm sorry, I thought you said something. wrongdoing or knowledge of blood diamonds. Never happened. Never. Supposedly given to him in a mayonnaise jar. Taylor, I'm supposed to be such a scumbag that people bringing me diamonds in nothing else but but a
9: mayonnaise jar. How much more can you demonize me?
0: (laughs) But in a bizarre twist, prosecutors have alleged that the fashion model Naomi Campbell can directly tie Taylor to the blood diamonds based on what one of Campbell's famous friends has told them.
5: You don't forget when a girlfriend tells you that she was given a huge diamond in the middle of the night. In her first
0: interview on the subject, actress Mia Farrell told ABC News that Campbell revealed to her she had been sent a diamond by Taylor. It was 1997 in South Africa. Farrow and some of her children, and Campbell, were the guests of Nelson Mandela for a trip on the country's famed blue train. Among those present at Mandela's home that evening was the then Liberian President Charles Taylor. Uh, wait a minute. You know, I've always had my doubts about that Mandela dude.
1: And so now, yeah, you know, I don't
3: get anything to do with this, though, but, I, but there is a the little anomaly in this whole story which I find interesting, and, and it'll be revealed. I'll reveal no, it.: Well
1: let's, let's listen for the reveal. It's the big reveal. It'll be in there.:
0: you seen here between Mandela and Campbell. Farrow says she heard about the diamond the following morning at breakfast.
5: Naomi Campbell came down and she said uh, uh, during the night some men had knocked at her door and it was uh, representatives of President Charles Taylor and that they had given her a huge diamond. And we're like, oh my gosh.
0: Prosecutors say Taylor was in South Africa at the time to buy weapons for the Sierra Leone rebels with blood diamonds. And that Mia Farrell's information about Campbell helps tie him to the purchase. That is totally incorrect.
7: And indeed, Mr. Taylor, your men awakened her and
6: presented her with a large, rough diamond. Isn't that correct?
2: That is totally, totally incorrect.
6: And, Mr. Taylor, that diamond that you sent to Mia, to Naomi Campbell, was one of the diamonds that you had been given by the junta in Sierra Leone. Isn't that correct?
2: Total nonsense.
0: Prosecutors had hoped that Naomi Campbell would help them and confirm or deny the allegation about Taylor and the blood diamond but they say she refused to cooperate with them. This is a great report. Why did they put Donna Summer in there all of
1: a sudden?
3: Because <laughs> now they're showing Naomi going up and down the walk. The, the, you know, the, walk know
1: the, catwalk. Ah, the okay. catwalk. And she's crooked from the huge rock in her pocket.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> a recent appearance in New York to raise money for Haiti during Fashion Week. Oh. Campbell had another one of her famed outbursts. When ABC News producer Anna Schechter asked her about the Blood Diamond allegation. Because
5: you received a diamond from Charles you a diamond and I'm not going to speak about that thank you very much and really? I'm not here for that did you have dinner though with Charles Taylor I had dinner with Nelson Mandela thank you very much okay. did men bring you a diamond uh, you know a diamond in the rough sort of a large diamond no we're not answering these questions well
1: Shut up, slave.
5: We've been told that you didn't help the prosecution, sort of, in this very important case. Sorry you. Thank you so much.
1: Right. Goodbye. How how do these how do celebrities get away with that? I'm not going to answer. And then just thank you so much. And why do these reporters go? Oh, okay.
3: You know what's weird in this particular report? Naomi all of a sudden looks over at her publicist.
1: Oh, yeah, and the publicist And gives her the
3: evil eye. Yeah, yeah. And the publicist has to jump in, and then Naomi gets up, and then she also slams the camera, which is coming up next.
0: (sighs) Let's get up. She then took a swing at one of our cameras. (laughs) Told of Campbell's denial, (laughs) Mia Farrow said she stands by her version of events.
5: That's what happened. That's what happened, and there's no doubt in my mind. And she said she was going to give it uh, to Nelson Mandela's children's charities. What?
0: Whoa. Okay.
5: And I thought no more about it.
0: The director of donor relations for the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund told ABC News there was no record Naomi Campbell gave the charity a diamond. She did make cash contributions of $50,000 that year and the year after, according to their records. The scars of what happened in Sierra Leone have not healed. All right, that's good. You know,
1: Naomi Campbell must have a golden Galapagos. So now,
3: so here's the, here's the two issues that come, two things that come to mind. Uh, Naomi Campbell obviously doesn't want to deal with this at all, but she doesn't <laughs> actually deny it. But the, the thing that caught my attention is the following. So Mia Farrow, what kind of a, wo- first of all, what kind of a woman Or even a curious person is Mia Farrow. When Naomi Campbell says, I got this huge diamond last night in the middle of the night. And she said, show it to me.
1: Exactly. Show it to me. Show me that rock. What do you have to do? What do you have to do? You would want to see it. I want to touch it. I want to smell it. I want to fondle it. And I want to know what she had to do for it. And Mia makes no indication
3: that she ever saw it. She just tells the story. This
1: third party story. Interesting that there was also, at least not reported or not edited in, a question from the uh, journalist. Did you see it? Did you ask to see it? Yeah, there's another good one. Where's the
3: journalist asking that simple question? Why didn't you ask to see it? She could have said, well, I did ask to see it, and she didn't want to show it because she was told not to. or There Mm -hmm. could have been an excuse, but I never heard anything, and I doubt it. I, I think this whole thing is just sketchy. Huh. Uh, but very the way, poorly reported because of that one most important aspect left completely out. It's just somebody's hearsay. It's hearsay. It's useless.
1: By the way, the official no agenda porn star, Bobby Eaton, just showed up in the chat room. No one's listening to us.
8: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chad, they don't
1: listen to us. Like, anyway. you know, it's an what? echo chamber. Yeah, who cares?
4: And then we what? what? The rock diamond?
1: I, I don't care. We got a porn star here.
4: <laughs> and now,
0: back to Real News.
1: All right, let's thank some of the people who support our program. First of all, Bobby Eden. <laughs> thank you for supporting our show. This really helps. It does. Yeah, it does, actually, in it's some awesome. weird way. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, but
3: more importantly, Michael Maza from Oakville, Ontario, web designer for C- CTV, Canadian's largest broadcast network. Part of my job is creating banner ads, which means I make stuff people try to ignore. My- <laughs> My donation is 104.5, the frequency of the radio station Chum FM here in Toronto. Hey, everybody, it's
1: Chum FM. Good morning. (laughs) 104.5 FM. (laughs)
3: Uh, Simeon Miller, Chicago, Illinois uh, 100 bucks flat Enjoying the show for so long without donating I'm in need of some karma So he's passing on 100, keep up the great show You make my commute worth the drive Good. And that's what we do yeah, We yeah. make your commute worth the drive Peter Stemler, <laughs> New York uh, I, uh, Oops, i no sorry it's only for, He didn't donate anything But Picasso did What? But he wants us to go to picasso.tumblr.com
1: Oh, okay Nice. Uh Marvin Thomas, uh double nickels on the dime in the morning tea. I love the work you guys uh, are doing. I'm going with double nickels on the dime for my first of many donations. I'm attempting to get a new job and bring prosperity towards me. Hell yeah. Also this, uh this
3: Karma Club thing, uh, Andrew Prowse from Burlington, Ontario 6666. Man Fred Hurtenberger from uh, South Africa. I think he's our first South Africa two nickels on the dime guy. I think he's the only one that's ever donated from South Africa. Yeah, nice. Uh, which is nice. Uh, Adam Biesek. B-I-E-S-Z-K. I'm guessing. And he yeah. was a douchebag until now. I think it's Biesek. It could be Biesek. Yeah. It was a douchebag until now. Uh-huh.
5: Douchebag. Uh,
3: Adam keeps bringing up AIDS, uh, vaccine bullshit. It's a good thing the rest of the show is good.
1: Well, you know, look at House of Numbers, uh, the documentary, and you may change your mind. House of Numbers, I think it's .com. Um, the DVD isn't available until June, and I'm waiting to get it, so I've only seen trailers. I've been looking for, an, uh, like, a, a version on Google Video or something like that, but it, uh, let me just check. It's uh, House of Yeah Houseofnumbers.com. The guy who actually discovered the uh, the AIDS virus is uh, is the one saying that there's really no such thing as the AIDS virus. It's kind of interesting.
3: Uh, David Hollis from Morwell, Australia, fifty four twenty. We have a birthday announcement. Mm. Uh, let me give go back to where it was. Sorry. Yeah. Right, uh, let me crank it up
1: then for a second. There, it's your birthday,
0: birthday.
1: Oh, no, All right. Hit it. All
3: right, uh, let's see. Uh, Juliet uh, McPeak, could you please mention a happy birthday to my fugitive boyfriend, (laughs) Heinrich Moltke, currently residing in Prague and listening to your show tomorrow, Sunday, April 25th, who will mean the world to me? Heinrich, turn me on to your show. And I am an avid listener, uh, the 40th woman, I think. And I'm donating. Thank you very much. All right,
1: happy birthday. yeah. that 's right. so professional we 're slick Yeah, yay hey we got a whole bunch of uh, five dollar donations which i'm which I'm, i 'm I love the bigger support numbers, but it 's these five dollar a month uh, donations that really long term will make the difference, and uh, even though we, you know we cannot mention them mention them all by name, every single one of you is highly appreciated. Uh, these are what eventually, and we predict in about five years if we if they grow It'll at the take same. It about five. Rate.
3: It's gonna take five years. Yeah, it's
1: gonna take five years for that to really. Uh, really rock and really try to encourage
3: everybody to do a five dollar donation if they can, or or even the uh, it, you know the thirty the lucky thirty dollar donation. Uh, but we get, do have a promotion coming up the uh, the Deuce Club, which uh, people uh, would help us out on uh, celebrating the two hundredth a- show. So go to dvorak dot org slash deuce or two. And normal donations, of course, if you want to be executive producer or whatever, you would go to dvorak org slash na or dvorak dot com slash. I'm sorry. Sorry, slash na and we appreciate everybody's. And and a lot of people do give us like forty nine dollars because they don't want to get mentioned. And um, and you know we still get uh, and we should we have to plug a few things like noagendastuff.com, which is uh, Randy Asher's one of our uh, primary artists' website, and he's got some good stuff on there.
1: You know we have. Really, if I would just go down the list quickly, noagendaart.com, dot com, the No Agenda Proxy. Uh, all of these are listed in the show notes. By the way, we have two proxies. We've got No Agenda Lo-Fi, No Agenda News, No Agenda Report, No Agenda Book Club, No Agenda TV, uh, No Agenda Stickers, uh, No Agenda Torrents, No Agenda Chat dot com, of course. Dutch No Agenda Meeting dot com, which is uh, scheduled for September ninth or tenth, I believe. We've got no agenda forums. We've got no agenda jingles. We've got, uh, no agenda show notes. We've got all the no agenda iPhone apps. These are all great initiatives. And, uh, and of course we, we also need, you know, more exposure. Uh, if you know, uh, journalists who can write about us, or if you can call into a radio show or a television show and give them a hearty in the morning, no com, all of that really helps. You know, one of those little hits where we just get one of those, if we can get an article or, or something on a, on a big national program, that makes so much difference. That, that puts us on the radar for like a nanosecond, but it really helps. And we, we have seen uh, a large increase in new donors, which is obviously great. Now, yeah, because people come on board.
3: Uh, by the way, I wanted to mention to the book club that we should have three. We're going to mention three books today that could be added. Uh, and we already did one, which is uh, Materas' uh, Obama Zombies. Okay. He's- these are all good books.
1: Obama Zombies. What are the other
3: two? Well, the other one's going to... We're going to talk a little bit about Matthew Crawford's... Uh, it's kind of a bestseller called Shop Class as Soul Class. And I have a couple of clips from him. And I also have some clips from Jack Cash Hill, who uh, just released a book called Popes and Bankers. <laughs> and uh, it's a. It's very... It's very. Inter- he's very entertaining. But uh, the Crawford uh, guy, uh, Shop Class as Soul Class, is... It, to me was the most interesting there he, he's like a guy who's a motorcycle repair guy who's uh oh, an jesse advocate. james <laughs> well he's an advocate but well, this guy seems a little smarter uh he's an advocate for for different kinds of reforms namely uh it's, it's again the educational issues that we uh, talk about uh sporadically but this is actually quite good
1: uh i'd like to uh uh just switch to Australia for a moment get my nation down under D- dire straits there john bad shit coming down what now oh, well of course they forced the swine flu vaccine on everyone down there and uh you know of course it was really important you've got to give it to kids under 5 you need to protect them and kids are dying yeah they yeah, stopped no, I, all I, the I've vaccinations heard, yeah. immediately Kids are going into convulsions. They're getting, you know, severely ill. Uh, I think at least one died. Uh, and this is made by, uh, this particular vaccine is made by CLS. And I can't for the life of me find a proper website. It's like CLSpharma.com. I want to know if they've got squalene in their uh, uh, in their vaccines. They might. Yeah, there's uh there's a good number of links that I've put into uh, the show notes at noagenda.show.com and of course we hate this because you know we've been saying that this is bad stuff you don't want to be dealing with particularly the vaccines with uh, with squalene uh and now they actually have stopped inoculating uh kids under 5 uh big bruja, thank goodness and by the way isn't it, isn't this swine flu over how many times do you do?
3: Can they belabor that? It never happened.
1: I heard a report that this was actually the mildest flu season on record. Yeah, because people got <laughs> <laughs> it was really it was. Oops. Yeah, but no, but it's okay, John. It's okay because now we have the fungus flu.
3: Oh yeah, the fungus. This fungus thing is. But they don't know what to do about this fungus. They got nothing.
1: Oh, John. Oh, ye. This is so easy. Let me predict it. So first, let's talk about this potentially deadly strain of fungus spreading amongst animals and people in the northwestern United States and the Canadian province of British Columbia. Yeah. It's the, came down from BC. the Cryptococcus gatti, which I, I just love that name. Cryptococcus gadi flu. Um, usually only infects and transplants amongst AIDS patients. And people with otherwise compromised immune systems, but this new strain is genetically different, researchers say. Does that sound familiar at all to you? Huh. So, how much you want to bet we're going to have a vaccine, uh, we're going to have to like, rush and we've got to create this vaccine because the fungus, it's an outbreak and it's expanding from Washington to Oregon. John, you, uh, you're you up there from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's exactly what the symptoms are. A cough that could last for weeks, sharp right, chest pains, anyway up there. shortness of breath, headache, <laughs> fever, nighttime sweats, <laughs> weight loss, and the urge to hit people in the mouth.
3: Mm. No, at least one thing is good.
1: So uh, I would say be on the lookout for uh, immediate call from the World Health Organization to create a vaccine for the Cryptococcus. a vaccine for fungus. I don't think that's doable. Well, John, they have a vaccine for smoking. <laughs> well, here it is. I it, it's it's back. Here it is. It's the CNN reports a vaccine. I re- repeat, a vaccine.
3: Hey, by the way, talking about CNN reports, there's one floating around. They, you know, they showed they've they've finally got feet on the ground, or were that Tupolov polish thing landed yeah, yeah i have that report i have that and yeah we don't need to do it but but the thing that cracks me is they find pieces of the there's plane bits way and pieces before everywhere
1: the there's bits and pieces
3: everywhere there's like yeah like it like an explosion took place but nobody mentions it and then this guy does the report at the end he says they're looking into the possibility of uh, pilot error uh, mechanical <laughs>
1: failure and he, he has a laundry list
3: of things they're looking into but Except he never says
1: play no of course not Well, the Russian soldiers are right there. They got him in his sights. It's like, you will say what we want you to say. You will say everything but that. They're not Germans. Right. A vaccine that could help people stop smoking is showing promise in early clinical trials. Researchers announced this week at a national meeting of addiction specialists. Boy, there's a meeting I should be at. Hey, dude. I'm a specialist. I think the tech hippie (laughs) needs to be there. Yeah. (laughs) The vaccine is designed to stimulate the immune system, to generate antibodies that would latch onto nicotine in a smoker's body and prevent it from ever entering the brain. Isn't this exactly what Shantix does? Sounds like Shantix in a needle. Yeah, exactly. It's called Nicvax. Oh, uh, you know this is bad. Nicvax. Oh, my God. Oh, here it is. 16% were able to stop smoking and not start again, compared with 6% in the placebo group. Uh, They are considered statistically significant results, and, oh, here it is, and superior or comparable to the testing results of Zyban and Shantix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, someone sent me a note, I haven't found it yet, apparently there's a commercial now uh, for a class-action lawsuit uh, against... uh, the Shantix, uh Who is that? Uh, AstraZeneca, I think, makes that.
3: Yeah. Oh no! S- I don't, no, uh, it's, I
1: can't Pfizer, It's Pfizer. I think it's Pfizer, maybe. Pfizer, yeah. But anyway, the whole point, of course, is that uh, it can't be a vaccine. It's not. It's not the correct terminology. It's not a vaccine. Smoking is not a virus. It's just not. Uh but it's coming. Nick Vax. That's okay. This is all part
3: of the changing the words, changing the word the meanings of words. Nudity is porn.
1: Yeah. And and, and just so you know, in the new healthcare bill, every single vaccine has no co-co-payment. It's all paid for. 100%. Yeah. All vaccines.
3: So it's just a huge money maker for the farms. Hell that was yeah. the deal. That was the the behind closed door deal that was made.
1: Hell yeah. And uh and Stevia is really, you know, you remember we were tracking the prices of sugar before and we were like, okay, where is it? It's going to happen. Where's the new sugar? It's got to be on the radar pretty soon. So Stevia or Truvia, as the brand name goes, which is not pure Stevia, of course. They put some other stuff in there. Very hard to find the actual ingredients of Truvia, which is what I think, uh, Coca-Cola company is going to be using. So yeah, it. I
3: don't know. They got, I mean, the problem with stevia, which I've used, is it's bitter. It's not going to work.
1: Well, I'm just seeing the PR campaign. Yeah, it's going to if it's going to flop, it's going to be like clear Coke. Did you see what? Uh, did you see what Time did? Uh, Time wrote an article uh, saying that you know, and this, of course, is a complete pure stevia article saying that oh, you know, by the way, sweet and low can make you fat. <laughs> so all these uh Here comes the p r people yeah, all the sugar substitutes they can make you fat, so you need stevia it's a plant with some other stuff added for your benefit so uh nothing on salt though today we're still waiting for the the, the next salt product it's so obvious, you know it's just so obvious how this works, and the me and media. Just jumps on board with all this crap and reads the press release. Ooh. Well, that's uh, here's a press
3: release I must have just read. Play the dog bones clip. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Well, the FDA has a bone to pick with some of you dog owners out there. Right, it's the same guy who writes Entertainment Tonight is writing this news report. Uh, it's a really funny little line. He didn't little write little any news
3: report. This was handed to him, obviously.
1: Yeah, but this is really funny because he got a bone to pick. <laughs> rough, rough.
6: <laughs> well, the FDA has a bone to pick with some of you dog
4: owners out there. The food safety watchdogs say that you really should not feed your dog any bones. You know, animal bones. They say even large bones like those from
2: a hand. Ham or a roast can cause serious injuries, even death. Believe it or not, bones can chip or break your dog's teeth, cut tongues, or even worse, bone fragments have been known to puncture the stomach and the intestines with crap. and can be life threatening.
3: Oh, I've had dogs all my life. I have had. We've got tons of dogs. They are, you know, if this is what is the point, and why is the FDA suddenly involved in pet
1: care? Is this is this really an FDA report? Did you look yeah. at this? No. Is there yeah. FDA dog yeah. bones? No, you're kidding me. No. <laughs>
3: Why is the FDA involved in pet care?
1: Dog owner advice here it is. FDA issues warning about dogs and dog bones. Oh my god. Well, maybe th- maybe they're in charge of it. Maybe the FDA is in charge of animals. <laughs> I think they want to be. This
3: is a more government takeover. Just everything, every aspect of our lives. Don't feed your
1: dog bones, says the
3: U.S. federal government.
1: <laughs> All right, so then we might as well talk about the the business plot part two, because that's what I see happening here, John. The business plot, of course, um, was was that uh, Roosevelt? When that was took place? About? Yeah. The business plot. Remember the what the, inf- plot? the infamous business plot to overthrow the American government. Oh yeah, no,
3: that was a, yeah, that was a business. That was part of the Democrats tried to try to uh, push uh, uh, Roosevelt aside and, and replace him with uh, Smedley.
1: Right, but it, but it was it was mainly uh, financed, of course, by yeah, the was bankers. big
3: guys, Dupont. There's a whole bunch of big boys.
1: Yeah, uh, J.P. Morgan, Dupont, yeah. all, all the big boys. They wanted to essentially overthrow. The government. Uh, the government, and then put Schmegley Schmegma, what's his name, Schmedley? Smedley Butler. Schmedley. But he blew the whistle, right, Schmedley? Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. So Smedley blew the whistle. And I think this, of course, happened in, was it, 33, 34? Okay. I think it was 34. Yeah. I think that they just went back again and just been planning for the past uh, 70 years, and they're just doing it. They're like, okay, okay now's our chance. Because if you look at, you know, because you know, now, of course, the president... His new healthcare bill, the new, the new, the next part that has to be taken over is, of course, the, the financial industry. But it's not really the government regulating the financial industry. It's the financial industry regulating the government and taking over. And I just want to remind you of the people who are brought into President Obama's cabinet, the people who are already in there. And that will maybe shed some light in this Goldman Sachs thing, which I think we should talk about just briefly. Do you have any clips or anything to talk about? No,
3: I'm, I'm totally off the Sachs thing today.
1: Really? You, you don't like it? You don't, you're, not, you're not into it? Because it's pretty big. Yeah, I just don't have a handle on it yet. Well, here's the way I see it. Uh, by the way,
3: and I think they're going to get off scot-free, and I know exactly w- what the mechanism is.
1: Okay, well, well, we'll get to that in one moment. I'll just just briefly... Uh, if you look at uh, Larry Summers, director of the National Economic Council, Obama's top economic advisor, uh, last year five million dollars he got as managing director of DE Shaw, big hedge fund, two point seven million from speeches, speeches delivered to Wall Street, um, uh, including those that received uh, bailout money, uh, forty five grand from Citigroup, sixty seven and a half thousand from J P Morgan Chase. John, we're in the wrong business. We need to hit the road.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. From Goldman well, Sachs. The, the, the problem is I I do public speaking and I get like a normal fee. Yeah, Most of these fees when you, you know, I mean Sarah Palin probably makes legitimate money uh, floating around uh, giving speeches but when these guys are getting $2 million a year and you've never really heard of them and they shouldn't, what are they, those are not really speakers fees, those are bribes.
1: Yeah, so from Goldman Sachs Larry Summers got $135,000 for a speech. Nice work if you can get it. Um... Michael Froman, Deputy National Security Advisor for International Economic Affairs, his business card is five feet long, worked for Citigroup, and got more than $7.4 million from the bank in January of 2008, and then, of course, he entered the Obama administration. Uh, This included a $2.25 million year-end bonus. Um, David Axelrod, Obama's campaign strategist, now senior advisor to the president, was paid $1.55 million in 2008 from two consulting firms he controls. Agreed to the uh, buyouts that uh, will get him another $3 million over the next five years. So, uh, that's a nice little, uh, little payoff there. Obama's deputy national security advisor, Thomas E. Danillon. Paid $3.9 million by a Washington law firm whose clients include Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, and private equity firm Apollo Management, another good company to look into. Uh, Louis Caldera, director of the White House Military Office, a quarter million dollars a year from IndyMac. Uh, and uh, even uh, uh, Rahm Emanuel was uh, was tied up in uh, a multi-million dollar deal on which he advised along with Goldman Sachs. I think he made uh, $8 million from that. So those are just some of the uh, puppets who are hanging out in the uh, administration. And there's this awesome article, which I think you should just read it and then we'll move into uh, to John's theory on Goldman. In TheAtlantic.com. It's called The Quiet Coup. And I'll just read you the first paragraph. The crash has laid bare many unpleasant truths about the United States, One of the most alarming, says a former chief economist of the IMF, is that the finance industry has effectively captured our government, a state of affairs that more typically describes emerging markets and is at the center of many emerging market crises. If the IMF staff could speak freely about the U.S., it would tell us what it tells all countries in this situation. Recovery will fail unless we break the financial oligarchy that is blocking essential reform. And it's, uh, it's it supposed to be like an eight page, uh, article that's really worth reading. And when I look at, you know, the information that is available about this, uh, financial reform, which is just another word, I think maybe we should just call it what it is the next bailout, financial reform. This is, this is going, this, this is like the dagger going right into the jugular. And I believe that this is pretty much, all they need is, well, they always, see, I think they already have the guy. They did it differently this time. Instead of trying to kick a guy out, they put the guy in.
3: Yeah, this is part of the reason of this is going to come to any sort of fruition. It's not going to be a big deal. The, the thing that's going to happen is that Goldman may lose a f- few clients overseas. But their rationale at in the end of the day, even though there's some emails now floating around that are pretty condemning, but you can always, you know, the way we've done, you know, we already have the, the meme out there that these emails are taken out of context. Oh yes. So you know, they're, they're, so you you got this. There's a couple of things going. I mean, the the global warming people have got most of these uh, techniques down to a T, and you just copy that. But Goldman can rationalize. Look, yeah, we were selling these uh, these mortgage backed securities, and sure, we made a ton of money on the other side of the trade because we also were we buying short of cheap products. through AIG. Yeah. So what's wrong with that? You have to balance. I mean, you do have. It's not, to. Ha- it's not illegal. It's just it's not, not I don't think illegal, illegal, and no. it's like you have to do it to protect your investments if you know what you're doing. The thing is that they're one of the few people that actually got in on a seminar given by John Paulson, who was the guy who found out about the credit default obligations and credit default swaps at a little broker or a little. Uh, he was a. It um, was a brown a, shoe. A, it was no. It was a management company. It was a little like, like a little trading company. It was like a he was a not, he wasn't a consultant. He was like a broker. But uh, th- this is not related to the other Paulson. And uh, anyway, he had uh, him and his pal. This this very another book that needs to be in the library, which is the world's uh, I think it's called the world's greatest trade. Or the world's biggest trade, or the biggest trade, something like that. Well, anyway, I s- listened to this guy give a lecture, and he, apparently Paulson had figured out that this thing was a big bubble, and it was going to be a mess. And so he started giving uh, seminars about it in New York that unfortunately we didn't attend. And uh, the, the CEO of Goldman Sachs went to one of them and says, hey.
1: Hey, good idea.
3: He says, "I think you got something here," but apparently nobody else in any of the other firms, including Lehman and everyone else, they, they thought this was crazy. It's just a waste of money. And the Goldman guy said, "No, I think this is probably a good thing." And they did. They then they ended up coming out smelling like a rose. I think they're going to have a lot of trouble proving any wrongdoing by the Goldman folks.
1: And uh, well, so it, so here here's what happened. So immediately, of course, now the SEC investigates goldman because which is bogus because i think you're right john and we said this on uh, on thursday they didn't do anything illegal unscrupulous yeah they're bankers what do you expect they didn't do anything illegal and this wasn't like little mom and pops investing these are like huge uh whales investing uh, and you know do you have an account with goldman Sachs? do you have a broker over there john i don't you know, this is this is like any uh, Goldman
3: guys out there listening to the show.
1: Yeah, I don't know in a couple. Maybe. How about donating? Yeah, really. So, uh, so what is the the Goldman spin machine? And now I understand why Obama admitted, immediately comes out and says, "We, I didn't. The SEC didn't tell me. They didn't tell me what they, they were. I didn't know anything about that. They're doing this all on their on their own initiative." And of course the big news this week tells us why he, distanced, he divorced himself from the SEC's action. Oh,
7: an ABC News exclusive about exclusive. what goes on behind the scenes of a powerful federal agency supposed to be policing the financial system. Is it possible a lot of the time some of them were watching porn? Here's Jeff Jonathan Carl.
6: Some high-level Securities and Exchange Commission officials have spent more time viewing pornography than investigating Ponzi schemes. A new report obtained by ABC News reveals a staggering obsession with pornography, viewed for hours at a time on SEC computers. Sites like Naughty.com, Skankwire, YouPorn, and others with names you Let me can't get my say pant. on TV.
1: Skankwire, write it down! The specifics
2: are stunning.
6: One senior attorney at SEC headquarters in Washington spent up to eight hours a day accessing Internet porn. An SEC accountant attempted to access porn websites 1,800 times in a two-week period. She had 600 pornographic images. Okay, let's stop right there.
1: These numbers don't add up. I know. I, I heard the numbers, and I thought they were pretty bogus. So first of all, I—if if there was a woman out there, and maybe if Bobby Eden is still in the chat room, uh do you know any woman, ba- Bobby being, of course, a porn star, uh, any woman who watches 600 hours of porn? <laughs> I want to marry this woman. Where is she? This does not so- exist. These women do not exist. And then 8,000 hours? What is he watching, like, two clips a minute? It doesn't make any sense.
3: The 8,000 hours doesn't make any sense. The whole thing is nothing to see here, by the way. I'm surprised you didn't play that.
1: Uh, you know, uh, okay.
3: Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. It's a whole nothing to see here thing. I don't know what, what the point of it is. or some other, something else going on. And they're trying to distract us. And they're doing a pretty good job of it. This story cropped up everywhere. So it's always like a big deal. I got I, I got more email about this story which by the way when i get a lot of email about one story like this that is kind of weird we, we
1: never talk about it <laughs> it's like you know, i uh,
3: generally uh, don't talk about it because there's obviously a nothing to th- see here thing and people are being suckered yeah. into paying attention to it
1: and and it, it makes so little sense this it's probably like if it was true it's probably like some spyware or something that's just is hitting these sites and Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, because the numbers, you're right. The numbers
3: don't add up. One of the things was somebody was hitting a thousand sites a day. Why? I mean, was every site boring? Oh, here's one. No, let me go another one. No, boring, boring, boring. But now let's
1: let's follow the path, John. Let's follow the path. The financial crisis could have been averted if the SEC had not been watching porn. So we need to shut down the Internet
3: there's definitely and, and Clinton talked about it and you talked about the cleaner net which is the word clean yes this is part of a strategy of of kind of uh demonizing the net as a horrible place and uh and and a time waster for people in in government agencies hurting the public by going on these sites this thing, this is so much bs it's almost hard to believe
1: yeah, and 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 and
3: a report obtained by ABC News. And who are these people? Let's b- bring them out and and talk to them in front of a congressional hearing. I want to hear their yeah, story. Yeah, me too. And
1: and let's put them Where on. A are sex are a list. Where are they? Names, who are they? Where are they? Names, names! I tell you. I think we need to play both of them at the same time. John C.
4: Boone,
1: sure, beef. <laughs> <laughs> I played two at the same time.
3: <laughs> so. um... No, I want to see who these people are. This is a bogus situation.
1: You know, we got to. You know what? We need to demand that. We need to demand to see these people. I want them in front of Congress. I want want to see. I want to see that woman who watched six hundred hours of porn. I want to see her. I want to know. I need the profile of this person. Yeah, I want to see. I I like to see what she looks like. Yeah.
3: She wear glasses. Six. Is she fat? Is she thin? Is she skinny? Is she anorexic. I, I, I think we, it we
1: need to know. We need to know. This is important. <laughs> on her government oh, computer hard made? drive. right, oh, let's listen. Under uh, this, this just slays me. Times uh. in a two week period. Wait a minute. She Wait a minute. In a two week period. Hold on.
6: Day accessing internet porn. An SEC accountant attempted to access porn websites 1,800 times in a two-week period. She had 600 pornographic images on her government
1: computer hard drive. What? Now, I love porn. I wish I, co- no. I had a collection like that. That's, it, that's it You should spend more
6: time to- on porn sites then. A senior what? enforcement officer had a thumb drive connected to his SEC computer with five videos depicting hardcore pornography. What is that? What is I hardcore? Don't what is a, hardcore? We'll, is we that? don't know. They won't tell us. Yeah, because it's so secretive. The investigation, which was conducted by the SEC internal watchdog at the request of Senator Chuck Grassley, found 31 serious offenders over the past two and a half years. 17 31? Of them this is bull! <laughs> Who is this
3: Grassley guy? I'm going to find out. What's his first name? Uh, hold on.
6: Listen again for pornography. The investigation, which was conducted by the SEC internal Chuck watchdog Grassley. at the request of Senator Chuck Grassley, found 31 serious offenders uh, oh, over the past You've two and him a million half millions. years. 17 of them senior SEC officers with salaries ranging from $100,000 to $222,000 a year. Nice money. The SEC would not comment on specific cases, but says it takes inappropriate use of government resources seriously and. De- there's, there's Sex offenders. deals with abuses on a case by case basis. Most of this began happening in 2008, just as the financial system oh! was collapsing. Oh! And Coincidence. It's the most recent case is from just four weeks ago. Many of the offenders are still I think on the Mac- job. Jonathan Carl, ABC News, Capitol Hill. So
1: tell me about Chuck Grassley.
3: got uh, Grassley, you've chill. seen this guy a million times. He's all over the place. He's a uh, senior uh, senator from Iowa. Um, I don't have anything bad to say about him offhand except for obviously he's, just, he's got a newsletter blog this is funny the Grassley blog ask Chuck
1: <laughs> hey Chuck can we see the chick who had 600 porn movies on her, on her <laughs> hard drive that's my question for Chuck Go to, what's the website? Everyone should be asking that on his website.
3: Grassley.senate.gov. G-R-A-S-S-L-E-Y. Can you, Can you comment on his blog? I'm looking. Right now it's just it's
1: hanging up. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All the no agenda, new, the, the no agenda militia are, are surfing to it as we speak. Yeah, well, he, we'll go to Chuck Grassley's site and demand to
3: see these people. He voted for TARP, of course. Uh, he voted you know, for it the seems Patriot to me as though if these guys are doing this, there's no reason that they have to. They're not juveniles. They're not 14 year olds that have to be hidden from the public view. So let's bring them out into the open. I want to see who these people are. Yeah, was the president? Cool. Gonna, there is nobody. That's
1: why they won't do it. Yeah, wasn't the president going to name and shame? Wasn't that the whole uh, the whole oh, yeah, thing Name here? and shame. Whatever happened to that? Name and shame. Name and shame. We want to okay, see. It. It's a bogus story. All right, I got a good, I got a good story for you. <sighs> UK drivers better stay under the speed limit, reports, uh, I think, the Times, according to the Telegraph. An American company called Pips Technology, P-I-P-S, has developed a system that uses two cameras on the ground and one satellite in orbit to catch speeders. The system is called Speed Spike. And it figures out your average speed between two points, captures an image of your license plate, and reports to you, it reports if you're going faster than the law allows. And uh, if you're hoping Great Britain's notoriously grey weather will save you, you're out of luck. The system works even when it's cloudy or dark. Speed spike will Lie. be, be tested. Yeah, will be tested in two places: the London borough of Southwark, and along the A three seventy four between Torpoint and. Anthony in Cornwall. What do you think? You think that's real?
3: I think it's doable. I don't know yeah. if they're doing it. It could be a bluff.
1: Pips technology.
3: And we'll look into it.
1: That's, that's pretty wild.
3: Let's play a clip or two that uh, I wanted to get to today. Um, first of all, uh, I would like to finish the show late with a fairly long clip from Jack Cashill, a Popes and Bankers guy. But he does have an interesting little, uh, smaller little comment that's uh, called sign with an X that I thought was interesting. He's, he's, a very, he's kind of a, 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 laugh, a guy who likes to laugh and makes night remarks. Is he a and good guy
1: or a bad guy? I think he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. We want to listen to this?
3: Yeah, sign with X.
4: Would-be homeowners, get a house. Get a house, get it quick, get it no matter how you can get it. Here's a, I found this 1992 article from the New York Times. In which they're uh, talking about Acorn, which at that time struck them as just this uh, just wonderful new uh, rejuvenating organization that's bringing equity to the housing market. In 1991, they had a two day takeover of the House Banking Committee, and the newspapers celebrated it. Isn't that cool? Isn't that neat? Protest. Remember when dissent was patriotic? You know, what was that? It was just like a year ago, wasn't it? And now it's dissent. Dissent is racist today, but a year and a half ago it was patriotic. In 1991, it was wonderful. You, you, you and your buddies come in, you take over the house banking company for two years, you throw everything around, and you get on the front page of New York Times as good guys because you're liberating the housing market from the entrenched uh, racist classes. Mm-hmm. Now, so New York Times is writing about this, and um, uh, here's what they say. This is 1992. No one who gets a mortgage ever has to go beyond the Philadelphia Acorn office. It's about Philadelphia. Like, this is a good thing. Um, the Times then highlights Acorn-assisted borrowers who did not speak English, had no credit history, or, this one I like best, had to sign X for their name, <laughs> right? They're celebrating this. This is in 1992. These are the same people who, 10, 15 years later, were going to be criticizing Wall Street for, for getting involved in his business. Of course,
1: because it's a takeover. It was all planned this way. Planned, planned demolition. Well, it works. It works just like, just like uh,
3: 9-11. So I've got the. Uh, meanwhile, he has a long exposition, which I like to play at the end of the show if you can remember.
1: What, what is the, uh, the? I'll just cue that the, up. Marriage one. and home ownership. Okay, I'll cue that one up for him. He has
3: show. a theory about marriage and home ownership that I thought was interesting. I'm not sure if it's actually 100 valid, but it. It's, I've never heard it before. Okay, well, and we'll so play I was quite after impressed with that. Yeah. And uh, now, if we wanted, if we still want to place more stuff,
1: let me just uh, do a quick uh, magic numbers update, because you know we believe in them, and because uh, they work. They do work. Uh, they work for people who donate magic numbers, and of course, the magic number is three. Uh, Tim Tillman uh,
3: who is a knight? By the way, FD.R was big into magic numbers when he set the price of gold at 21 cents. Oh really. Is three times seven, two magic numbers multiplied.
1: Listening to No Agenda uh, with uh, Sigourney Weaver, you guys missed a meme in her special little speech. Here it Uh is. The oceans are 30% more acidic now than before the Industrial Revolution. If we don't act, they will be 30% more acidic in 90 years. Plankton shells are 30% less strong. So we missed all those numbers, but the best one... Oh, that's
3: interesting. I didn't catch the numbers at all.
1: How did we miss that? The best one is the Sony PlayStation 3 update 3.30 with firmware 3.30 will bring you 3D. (laughs) I mean, does it get any better? These guys, these guys are like, hey, man, let's really clean up. (laughs) <laughs> you what you watch this be the most successful game console ever with this release. The the PS3 3.30 firmware upgrade for 3D games. I mean they they have really layered it on, haven't they? That's pretty funny. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Um the uh the X thirty seven B. Military space plane that launched from Cape Canaveral, which of course I I don't think anyone's really covering that. Yeah, no, I've seen a lot of stories about
3: it. It's not very in, not in depth, but there's plenty of stuff.
1: Well, yeah, there's stuff online, but I haven't seen any launch video or or anything like that. And this is all really it's all really secretive. Now this they make a ca- big
3: deal about the secretiveness.
1: Well, yeah, it can stay up in the air for two hundred and seventy days. Uh, unmanned. U.S. defense of- officials would not say how much the project had cost. Thursday's launch was more about testing the craft, but now according to uh, Times Online, f- of course we have to get our national news from uh, Gitmo Nation East, um, they say that uh, there may be a secret weapon in the payload <laughs> bay. Well, here or it a, is. With all a the earthquake focus... machine in the sky. Well, listen to this. Remember we talked about the... Here, with all the focus... Oh, oh, this is a nothing to see here Don't moment. look over Hold here. On. Nothing to see here.
0: Ooh, look at that.
1: With all the focus on the launch of the secret X-37B, another space launch by a Minotaur 4 rocket from Vandenberg Air Force Base in California received less attention. It was carrying the prototype of a new weapon that can hit any target around the world in less than an hour. Huh.
3: Well, that's, that is a nothing-to-see-her moment, then. So they've slipped a doomsday a, a X- weapon oh, up there. Oh, okay,
1: so the external well, what, 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 what What does it mean, hit any target? Does it? Is it pinpoint accurate, or...? It literally says, this is, and I'm just reading from the Times online, the prompt global strike, I guess that's what this secret weapon is called, is designed as the conventional weapon of the future. Oh, here it is. It could hit Osama bin Laden's cave... <laughs> an Iranian, Ar- the, the, the mysterious cave, <laughs> an Iranian nuclear site, or a North Korean missile with a huge conventional warhead—it's amazing. Well, we can we can get out of Afghanistan now. We're gonna we're gonna zap Osama bin Laden. Yeah, in his cave. In his cave. Let me look <laughs> at this. Uh, yeah, new Minotaur rocket launches April twenty third. Wow, that was a total distraction, John. Here it is, the Minotaur four booster flying in a downsized three stage. You just Figure discovered it?
3: this now on the air live?
1: Yes. Hmm. I hate to say it. Uh so they launched that thing at the same time they launched the X thirty seven B.
3: Wow! I wish I'd known they were launching something. Vandenberg is often the rockets fly over Northern California, mm-hmm. and it's actually quite a sight to see one of these things in the air, especially when it goes into the when the booster goes off or the second stage goes off. You can you can see it's quite uh,
1: entertaining. It's a, a DARPA project. Mm. I wonder what it is. Well, it's a space weapon. How many times That's I have to big tell you? The spray gun in space. How many times I have to tell you that this space war is going on? These flashes in the middle of the night, which you call meteor. I not thing being
3: accurate from that distance,
1: dude. They can read your license plate. Yeah. Then they can zap. Os- they're saying it right there. We can zap Osama bin Laden. Let's let me Google this. Uh, what do they call it again? They have the name here. Someone must have sent out a press release uh what was it called the uh well if,
3: you know if the times online out of london has this story how come we didn't hear about any of this at all in the u.s that i know of i don't know should have been on cnn should have been wolf blitzer
1: or joy behart the prompt <laughs> joy Behar. the prompt global strike let's just google this popular mechanics oh those are the pr guys right here Popular is. Mechanics is a yeah. magazine. Yeah, they're, 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 no. Popular Mechanics is the PR guys for the government, it's all their secret shit. Uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, a whispered warning of a North Korean nuclear launch or of a shipment of biotoxins bound for a Hezbollah stronghold in Lebanon. <laughs> word ra- this is great these, these guys are creative <laughs> word races through the american intelligence network until it reaches u.s C- strategic command headquarters the pentagon and eventually the white house in the pacific a nuclear powered ohio class submarine surfaces ready for the president's command to launch when the order comes the sub shoots a 65 ton trident II ballistic missile into the sky and yeah, that's just the setup yeah, what's that got to do with the thing in the, the space vehicle? The military is convinced that in the coming years it will need to act with this kind of speed against threats. Terrorist leaders smuggled nuclear or chemical arms. We know how to strike precisely. We know how to strike at long distances, says Kaler, whose office is in charge of the Defense Department's global strike mission. What's different now is the sense of time. And then they're showing all these diagrams how this thing works. This, uh, this thing up in, this, in the sky amazing uh, yeah popular mechanics they're the guys that uh is popular science or popular mechanics popular mechanics oh they said popular science no popular mechanics okay Yeah, popular mechanics are the guys who are like oh yes steel can melt from jet fuel look we have proof that's that's these guys that's why you got to read them they're the pr agency for uh for the government
3: nice all right, so I have a, a clip that we should play now which will change the pace. Okay. Gay irony.
1: <laughs> should we go straight into it or does it require Yeah, I just setup? play it.
7: Three members of a team from San Francisco's Gay Softball League say organizers of the Gay Softball World Series harassed them for not being gay enough. (laughs) Three members of the team happened to be not exclusively gay. And that was enough for organizers of the tournament in Seattle to march them into a room and cross-examine them about their sexual habits and preferences. The team was then disqualified for having too many non-gay members
1: let's hook you up to the gaydar and make sure does anybody find this highly ironic i think if you want to play softball at all you want to be on the gay softball team you're gay enough you know the thing is is that this is the team that won so they were immediately (laughs) under suspicion (laughs) really you're kidding me like you're not gay they're not gays on your team you gotta be kidding me this is ridiculous (laughs) totally what was that cnn no, that was our local news. It's a San oh, Francisco thing. Oh my god. Stop. That's crazy. <laughs> they got disqualified for not being gay enough. Oh please. Oh jeez. Um the uh the president is lying this weekend. He he was lying last show. <laughs> but he's really lying about uh his uh, by the way, his performance on his weekly address, really poor performance, dude. Oh, really? I thought he was getting better. Oh, my God. If you hear that, he's like stumbling. He's he's they, There's four edits in this one because he had to do pickups because he clearly sucked. He mm-hmm. looks really shaky. He looks like... Uh, They're like, probably drugging him like they did uh, you know, Bush. It, you know, I'm telling you, it, it might be something like that because he's really not... I mean, it's not good. And he, looks, he looks like he's over-caffeinated. And, you know, just listen to him about the... Uh, well, let's listen to his performance. Let's, let's view it as media people. I think that would be even more interesting. How poorly he is uh, performing on your, your weekly address for April twenty. It was a little
2: more than one year ago that our country faced a potentially devastating crisis in our auto industry over the course of
1: 2008. By the way, who does the set? They've got like a Bush... They've planted on a on a desk. No, they have a little, uh, there's a little studio that's
3: just somebody furnishes. It's,
1: well, it's shit. Well, it's, it's really crap. And by the way, somebody, this is, they did a study on it. I don't know. This is the, uh, the dark-haired Obama. This is not the gray-haired Obama.
2: Okay. Yeah. The industry shed 400,000 jobs in the midst of a financial crisis and deep recession.
1: Actually, let me just skip ahead to the bad part. So there's, uh, he goes through all these edits... In addition, Chrysler Financial
2: has already fully repaid with interest the loans right. it received That's the to support 45,000 go jobs, the strongest growth in a decade. And Chrysler announced an operating profit in the first three months of this year. This is the first time Chrysler has reported a profit since the beginning of the economic crisis. What's more, GM announced that it paid back its loans to taxpayers with interest fully five years ahead of schedule. It won't be too long before the stock, the Treasury is holding, in GM can. Do you hear how the stock?
1: The Treasury is holding because yeah, you know, it's then on the next line of the prompter. The guy didn't even read the script to prepare. He sold. Yeah,
2: yeah. Helping to reimburse the American people for their investment. That was a bad read. In addition, Chrysler Financial has already fully repaid with interest the loans it received to support auto financing, and we're closing the books on the temporary program that helped parts suppliers weather this storm, returning this investment to the Treasury in full. With interest as well. Finally, we're bringing to an end many of the emergency programs designed to stabilize the financial sector and restart lending so folks could finance cars and trucks, as well as homes and small business.
1: As as well as homes and small
2: business. On Friday, in fact, the Treasury Department informed Congress that this financial rescue, which was absolutely necessary to prevent (laughs) an even worse economic disaster.
1: How unconvincing is he? I mean, even at MTV, we'd be like, yeah, let's burn that. That was a pretty shitty read, uh, Obama. Yeah, he's faxing it in. Yeah.
2: We'll end up costing taxpayers a fraction of what was originally feared. (laughs) This this is a direct result of the careful management of the investments made by the American people so that we could recoup as many tax dollars as possible and as quickly as possible. These steps, Uh, as well as others we've taken, have meant that millions of people are working today who might otherwise have lost their jobs. But these steps were never meant to be permanent. As I've said many times, I did not run for president to get into the auto business or the banking business. As essential as it was that we got in, I'm glad to see that we're getting out. At the same time, <laughs> even as we've come a long way, we still...
1: <laughs> Listen, it,
2: someone's not scrolling but these the These steps prompter. were never meant to be permanent. As I've said many times, I did not run for president to get into the auto business or the banking business. As essential as it was that we got in, I'm glad to see that we're getting out. At the same time, even as we've come a long way, we still have a ways to go. (laughs) The auto industry is more stable today, and the economy is on a better footing. But people are still hurting. I hear from them just about every day, in letters I read, and in the towns and cities that I visit. (laughs) Why you get such a kick out of this? I just find it just to be boring.
1: Well, I just because he's like can't. Why if you know if this president, if he could actually stand there and if he like said something from his heart that he meant, it would be great. But now it's really showing. And the lie, the lie is that GM paid back their loans. He's lying because GM paid back their loans with an escrow account. With the treasury, with TARP money, so basically they repaid TARP money with TARP money. Did you know this? No. Yeah. So
3: the, there was this. I estr- thought the whole thing was fishy, though, when he said when they first said it. Dude, so how did
1: th- that happen? Th- let me read to you. They haven't
3: been making tons of money. I mean, how could they replay? What, what was the point of repaying back the loan?
1: To make so the president can go read something. He needs some copy for the prompter. But here from the eight K filing. From uh, GM a filing on uh, for, with the SEC of the forty-two point six billion in cash and marketable securities available to General Motors as of September thirtieth, seventeen four billion came from an escrow account with Treasury. Six point seven billion of the escrow account available to GM was alloc- allocable to the repayment of loans to the Treasury. Is they saying it right there in their filing? Well, they have
3: to say it in the filing. That case you can You have to be of pretty course, honest of, in Yeah, it. but
1: of course. But then the president gets up. Hey, they paid back their loans. Yeah, with mm-hmm. another loan.
3: Well, Why? Big lie. Well, liar. It is a, it's not a lie, but it's basically
1: a lie. Well, it's, it's a misdirection. It's the Ministry of Truth at work. All right. You got another clip? Something funny? Uh, funny? Yeah, he is the a she. The gay irony was the funniest I've been one. looking at he is a she. Come on, that's got to be funny. He is
3: a she is not that funny. It's about that creep that, that claimed to have shot or, shot or killed oh. Renee Ramsey, that little oh. twerp. And he's now had a sex change.
0: <laughs> and he's hanging
3: out in a battered woman's shelter in
1: Seattle. All right, I don't need to play the clip. That's already funny uh, enough. It's <laughs> just ridiculous. I do want to give props to the uh, pirate party. This is something that seems to be spreading. They now have the Pirate Party in the Netherlands. And this is kind of like a a, a new tea party, uh, only a global one. And they're not connected as far as I can tell, but they're just calling themselves the Pirate Party. And they're actually getting votes and they're getting uh, seats in parliaments, you know, one or two here or there. But it's uh, it seems to be for real. Yeah.
3: They, yeah. I I've been kind of following it.
1: I kind of like it. Eh, you know, it
3: gives these guys something to do. All right, you want to play a long clip and we can finish the show with this? Yeah, sure. This is, a, this is the guy who wrote the book Shop Class as Soul Class. I found the entire, he was interviewed on C-SPAN, and I found this and the other clip that he, I have on here, which is creepy management comments, uh, to be extremely disturbing and, uh, uh, I don't know, just playing, you'll see what I'm talking about.
5: ...of work, and we've developed a kind of educational monoculture, I think, where just about every kid gets, um, you know, hustled off to college and then onto a certain track where you end up working in a cubicle. Um, And I think the truth is that some people, including some who are plenty smart, would rather be learning to build things or fix things, and I think we should honor that. What do you think when you hear the phrase... Uh, knowledge-based society or information age? You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's partly hype, I think. Um, we've had this idea that I think arose in the 90s that somehow we're gonna um, be gliding around in a pure information economy. <clears throat> and accordingly, <clears throat> shop classes were pretty widely dismantled uh, in the 90s to make room for computer classes. Um, I first became aware of this issue when uh, I realized that there was a a glut of um, shop equipment on eBay. So milling machines, table saws, metal lathes. Um, And I guess the reason it was disturbing to see the stuff sitting in, in warehouses was that the disappearance of those tools from our common education... Um, I think it's the first step toward a wider ignorance of things, how they're made and how to repair them. And parallel to that, there is in fact a kind of design philosophy that's emerged uh, where the point seems to be to hide the works. So for example, if you lift the hood on some cars now, there's essentially another hood under the hood. and. I'm not sure what the thinking is. Maybe that the sight of an alternator would offend us somehow. Um, so it's become harder to get a handle on your own stuff. and now That's very interesting. It gets, it
3: gets more interesting, but let me, since you stopped it, let me mention something. When I was a kid,
6: we had shop <laughs> class, we had
3: wood class. We had metal working class. There was auto shop. There was metal shop. There was wood shop. I took and you and, and even if you were a college prep kid, you had to take one of these things. I took wood shop and you know made a cutting board or something like that and a and a box. But the point was is that there was a, a lot of kids. They got most of you know they kind of went in that direction and the, and then uh, you know they became mechanics or plumbers or whatever they became because they weren't interested in going to college. Why should everyone go to college? Some people don't want to go to college, but they push now. They push everybody to go go to college, take some AP, you know, get into the best school you can and then what do you do? Like he said, you work in a cubicle. But I didn't realize it until he mentioned it, but now I think about it, they have dismantled all these shop classes, so no schools have them anymore. And they also there's no they're dropping PE, so you have a bunch of fat kids. Kids don't you know, they don't have any place to No to, music, no music. And, and no art. music and no art. Yeah, and another one that disappeared first, which I think began the whole process, was was home ec uh, yeah, until cooking. the eighties or nineties. Home economics, which which actually was a requirement for women or girls who were in high school for to take, whether they liked it or not. Now we have an entire generation. No offense to those who, who were insulted by home ec, but we have an entire generation of women who can't boil an egg. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, John, it's all part of the plan. Say it with me now. You can't boil an egg. You can't fix your car. You need to
8: shut up, sleep.
3: So he brings it back together into a very kind of even more depressing way as he wraps up his little
5: little spiel here. You might as well
3: play it from here.
5: Be self-reliant um, because of certain changes in material culture. Um, some high-end cars now don't even have a dipstick so you couldn't check your own oil level if you wanted to and I know that I'm not the only person who's a little creeped out by this Um, I mean, with some cars if your oil level gets low you're sent an email from someplace Um, now to go down that thread a little bit um, it used to be that in addition to a dipstick you had something called an idiot light and it was called an idiot light for a reason, right we had a harsh judgment of anyone who was so uninvolved in their own car that they let it get to the point that the light is coming up but there's some uh, weird cultural logic whereby idiocy that is a lack of involvement gets recast as something desirable right? it's, an, it's an indication of technological progress and of course It is a kind of progress when you no longer have to mess around with dipsticks and and dirty rags. But I also want to notice that there is a kind of moral education that is tacit in material culture that can go in various directions. So the way things are going currently, it often feels like uh, the modern personality is getting reformed on the basis of passivity and dependence there's fewer occasions to be directly responsible for your own physical environment and with that I think comes less expectation of responsibility yeah
1: yeah, yeah. makes a good point yeah hey we forgot yeah, to do our knighthood John Are we are we stupid slaves or what well it's a good time to do it we could do it <laughs> Let's do it now. Okay. Because he sent his money through wire transfer. Gear, get your ass over here! Hey. Uh-oh. Later on. Please kneel before us as we unsheath. John, unsheath for a minute, will you? There you go. We now knight thee, Sir Gear, Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. Please join us. And your son for some hookers and blow. Like, <laughs> it's a nice family thing to do. Father son, <laughs> father son, hooker and blow. It doesn't get any better than that. Actually, it does get better as uh, Stephen Hawking, who I know you hold in high regard, John. Smarter than me. He says, uh, oh, "I'm I'm certain extraterrestrials exist." However. You may not want to contact them because they might just simply raid the Earth for resources and move on. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, If aliens visit us, the outcome would be much as when Columbus landed in America, he said, which didn't turn out well for Native Americans. Let that be a warning from the professor.
3: Yeah, and a good
1: one. (laughs) Please support this show. We are not sponsored by Siemens. And we do not, uh, we're not sponsored by train manufacturers, although we'll take $10 million to talk about them all day long. Alternatively, you could just support the show by going to dvorak.org slash NA for the stream, dvorak.org slash NAS. And, of course, we have the Deuce Club coming up, uh, dvorak.org slash Deuce, or two, correct? Yep. And uh, coming and to you from the Hilltop that's Watch... that's the st- number two, by the way, the number two. Yes, no, number two. Coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Southern California, the People's Republic, that is, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where there is a train track
3: down here that could become high-speed rail, that would be a thrill. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you
1: again on Thursday, right here on No Agenda.
4: Uh, and that's part of our legacy. that We've got to, once we understand ourselves better, we could shuck this, I think, I hope. Come up in 1969. Richard Nixon's elected president in January, he's inaugurated in 1969, January 20th. The uh, home ownership rate in 1969 is 65%. It's been steadily increasing from after 1945 when it was about 45%. Up, 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 up. Everyone believes, and I believe, we probably all believe, that home ownership is a good thing. And the presidents have been pushing it uh, ever, since, uh, ever since Hoover really started as the Secretary of Commerce. FDR did, Truman did, Eisenhower did, uh, VA loans, FHA loans, etc. 65% in 1969. Something else happens in 1969. And that is California passes, and some of you were there probably, uh, for the first time, no-fault divorce. And Californians celebrated that by going out and getting divorced <laughs> in record numbers. In 1970, there were more divorces in California then there were marriages in 1960. Now, in the middle of the country, if you get divorced, you lament it. In California, you celebrate it. It becomes part of the culture. Hollywood had been doing this forever. And they had long since lost the moral uh, capability of telling people that marriage is good. They had long forgotten what Jesus had told them you know, t- 2,000 years before, that let no man tear asunder, what God has joined together. In 1980 the divorce rate in california for some reason they thought no fault divorce would solve the divorce problem like it would cause a decline but it didn't in 1980 how many people got divorced in california in one year 276,000 people in 1980 record year well as record year as far as we know because they solved the problem of divorce records by stop keeping records they stopped keeping divorce records they were so embarrassed by it all and virtually every state in america had also uh... Uh, had adopted the California model. So now no-fault no divorce became a nationwide craze. And in the 70s and 80s, people rushed out and uh, indulged. I mean, a lot of people, I know there's a lot of people who have tragedies and sometimes it's inevitable or, or you know, a uh, consequence of life. But in California, it became a ritual, a rite of passage. So marriage became a, a just something you sort of entered into for a while and then moved on. And there were so many other uh, distractions there that it became... Uh, like a national phenomenon. Now, this is happening and no one's paying attention to its consequences on the economy. I mean, it's really shocking how little attention people pay to the effect of divorce, not only divorce, but uh, single parenthood. Because the people were, when the culture lost, loses its faith in marriage and no longer has the will or the ability to tell the underclass that marriage is good. And we began to see just incredible spikes in single parenthood especially among uh, minority cultures especially black culture where it went from something like 15% in 1950 to 75% by 1980 just astonishing so what happens in 1993 we jump ahead bill clinton is inaugurated president the home ownership rate in 1993 after you know 24 pretty prosperous years uh, especially the Reagan years and the Bush years. I mean, there was a good steady growth of the economy. More jobs, more money, standard of living was much higher. In 1993, Bill Clinton's inaugurated, and the home ownership rate is lower than it was when Richard Nixon was inaugurated 24 years earlier. And the Clinton administration looks around, and like all presidents, they want to put people in homes. Clinton is a, a numbered cruncher from the word go. I mean, he wants to see the numbers. It's the economy, stupid. That's how he got elected. He wants to put people in homes. He wants to create jobs. Those were the days, weren't they? <laughs> I mean, it was, um... but when they look at the numbers, they say, "Why has the homeownership rate gone down?" And they refuse to look at the real reason, and that is that the family had crumbled underneath the homeownership rates. We didn't have, you know, Ozzy and Harriet living in houses anymore. You know, we had, you know, the Crips living in these house. I don't know who was living in his houses. People were buying homes, owning homes, who had no right to belong in homes, who could not afford, who were one broken refrigerator away from defaulting. And these are the people who were, who were moving into the home ownership market. And um, you look at the numbers, it's, it's inevitable. Uh, a single parent makes uh, 20% of the income of a married couple. A divorced mother makes 40% of the interest income of a married couple. The homeownership rate in 1993 for married couples was 85%. There's no problem there. This is just about maxed out. If we had been a nation of married couples moving forward, there would have been no economic crisis. There would have been no subprime crisis. None of that would have happened. But instead, the homeownership rate for single parents was less than 50%. That was pulling the whole number down. And instead of saying, gosh, what could what could cause this? Why don't we work on fortifying marriages? Why don't we work on keeping couples together? Why don't we work on giving couples who, who've worked hard, uh, you know, an opportunity to buy a home and said, no, we just want to push the numbers up. And they looked around and they said, who could we blame? And the Federal Reserve did a study in 1991 that pr- provided all the ammunition the Clinton administration needed. What they did is they studied the def- uh, rates. This is for, uh, I believe, for FHA loans. The rate of approval, if you were looking for a government-assisted loan, and for white families that came in, we're getting uh, loans at 77 percent. For black families that came in, we're getting loans at 61 percent. So they immediately looked at the numbers and said, "Well, the only reason that the home ownership rate isn't growing is because of racism. What else could it possibly be?" They didn't look at the credit histories that people were being accepted or rejected. They didn't look at the family structure that was underlying those differences, because that's where the difference really was. It wasn't in race it was in it was in family structure and you see the headlines in places like uh... Um, u.s.a today uh... not all homeowners are created equal or even wall street journal you know it looks matters more what you look like when you apply for a loan than what your credit is nonsense but that's because banks have no interest in turning people down who are going to repay the loans but they have every interest in the world in turning people down Who aren't. What we do, so you don't have to yeah. Mm-hmm. you